Hello, and welcome to episode 110 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the Nazi child masturbating in the bathroom, Alessandro Royalsi. <laughs> say, say hello, Al. I'd like my business cards to read Last of the Gentleman Sleuths. <laughs> this week's episode, Widows, Secret Agents, Pet Peeves, What We're Watching, and Other News and Nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, Knives Out, the long-awaited Knives Out. But first, Al, what are we drinking? We are drinking the second part of... Hang on a second. How did this happen? Uh, <laughs> I have two... Inter- I have two iterations of my show notes open at the same time. I don't know how that happened. I definitely don't need two. I only need one. Mm. Um, <laughs> we're drinking the center... Second you, are, part. you are the little man on the beer being abducted. <laughs> that's, that's you. I, I guess so. This, we're drinking the second iteration of the Captain Lawrence Powder Dreams... This one is the black can. Oh, it's baby. Triple dry hopped powder dreams. Uh, you all missed, at least I hope you missed, because I don't think Anthony recorded it, the sexual sounds I was making when I cracked this baby <laughs> open. Because it was a veritable orgy of hops in my nose. Oh my god, it smells so good. It's an imperial New England IPA, triple dry hopped with mosaic, citra, and amarillo lapulin powder, which I learned after we were done recording that last episode, is basically just ground up and turned into a resin hops so it takes way less space up and it's typically used for dry hopping you could use it for the boil but having the less volume doesn't really make that big of a difference for that mm. but for the dry hop it makes sense to have something that's much more efficiently delivering all that hop goodness to your nose interesting interesting i'm uh, more than ready to try this one <laughs> are you now so cheers cheers oh, oh so it's good. everything i want and more it's so good yep it's one of those ones like well first off the can looks amazing so yes. we, we we i can't understate this enough the little man being abducted by aliens is some of the greatest can art that we've seen so far i'm a little curious about why that is a, a thing but i approve uh the aroma when that can cracks is just something special and then just the look of this beer in the glass, it's, you know, like, this is an Anthony beer, right? Like, yes. this is, you look at this and you're like, oh, this, there's no chance that this wouldn't be one of his favorites. <laughs> oh, yeah. New, Eng- New England IPA, Citra Hops, Little mm. Green Alien Guys. Uh, I mean, uh, um, uh, did you remember it? The Powder Dreams. What? Wait a minute. <laughs> did, 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 did you remember it when, when I said it? Um, that this is the one that I remember opening and I was just like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It was like... Like it's like getting punched in the nose, like from a <laughs> and uh, when Iron Man, uh, when he when he gets his his new his new piece, oh yeah, <laughs> it tastes like coconut. <laughs> uh, it doesn't taste like coconut, but it is delightful. This good. one is so damn good. All of the things that we said about the last one, this one's even more that. I'm just really glad that I shut down the suggestion that you made. I don't even know why I let you take that beer home. The beer that we were gonna do, you, you should just be thrown away. <laughs> It's it's really not good. Oh, uh, that's one of like the dented ones too. I wish the other one survived. Yeah, it's, the other one wasn't great either. Uh, I I had a few misses, unfortunately. Um, how dare you? Uh, you know what? I'm glad that you said that. You know what? I've had this one. Not good enough. Does not warrant this episode. Um, I'm much happier with this beer in general. I'm much happier about the pow- the the powdering, the pairing <laughs> of this and the movie we're doing. Um, Absolutely. This is this is all delightful. This is perfect. So, shall we get into some news and nuggets? 
Yeah, I got a lot of them. All right, let's talk about... Uh, I want to throw a couple of things out at, right up front. Well, hang on a second. We're, do- we're doing Mandalorian after the episode again? Naturally. Mandalwatch comes post-credits. Mandalwatch. Post-credits. Full spoilers. We got to do a little... Three and four. Episode, episode three and... Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and episode four, I guess we'll kind of just do them all yeah. together as it comes to us, because I have... So many Mandalorian thoughts. <laughs> Excellent. First, can I actually interject before yeah. you get to your thing? On the topic of Knives Out, directed by Ryan Johnson, on the topic of The Mandalorian, Ryan Johnson said he visited the set, he loves it, and he's like, please let my schedule get clear enough that I can come direct an episode in season two. Yes. How great would that be? Give that man what he wants, because he's fucking amazing. Yes. Screw he's totally on board with it. I'm totally on board with him being on board with it. Absolutely. That'd be cool as shit. Absolutely. Continue with your thoughts. I uh, know. It's, it's great. That made me... You got me all riled up. I, <laughs> I, I, meant, I meant the thoughts that I just I just cut off. Uh, no, it's fine. Um, okay, so here we go. A uh, couple of quick things are right up front. It's kind of a, what, a, a grinds my gears situation. Huh? Oh. And there's two of them. It's two very, very small it's ones. Great I, it's great because I got a family guy on my screen right Perfect. now. Perfect. So. You know what really uh, grinds my gears? The first thing that really grinds my gears is I... So I scroll... I have a couple of different outlets that I... Well, different apps that I use to collect movie news. And then I go through all of that movie news. And I pick out the things that I find interesting. And then I write, like, quick notes just for chatting in, in this section here. While I was doing that, over the last couple of days, there were multiple articles about people being angry that The Grinch was taken off of Netflix before Christmas. Just relax. First off, you all you all say you hate the movie, so there's that. And two, if you really like it, buy it. Okay, and that's all. Like the, the Carrie Grinch or the the Carrie Grinch. Grinch, the Carrie Grinch. It's funny because I saw something about people comparing Baby Grinch to Baby Yoda. I said, "You shut your fucking mouth!" Right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, one of those is a national treasure. Uh, <laughs> it's also, a galactic I made, treasure. I made what I thought to be a fairly astute. Um, observation that my sister <laughs> concurred with because she sent me the thing. It was like someone was like, oh, "I gotta, I gotta find the thing." You, you continue with your. Th- okay, so that that's just a minor thing. I just something I had to say because it was driving me crazy. If uh, if you really want a movie, if you want to watch a movie on your time and you want to always have it available to you, buy the movie. That's it. It's very simple. Uh, the other thing that drives me crazy, I don't know. I've been to three movies this past week, and in each of them, there's a new thing happening. So. The, the format used to be, you get there early, before the, before the time of the movie, you get hit with some mini trailers, plus, like, they're basically TV spots, and a couple of, of shitty commercials, right? Like a Geico commercial, an AT&T commercial, like, you get, you get all that crap. The new pattern is you get that, then the lights go down, then the trailer starts. Another trailer, getting into the zone, then a Google commercial. What? And then another trailer, then a Geico commercial. What? What is happening? Why are they hijacking my trailer time? <laughs> the, th- the thing that I noticed, and I brought it up to you, it was the episode that you, me, and Brian did. Was it Hocus Pocus? Yeah. And I mentioned that I found it very odd that I got in the midst of my trailers, or it may have been the last of the trailers, is an Apple Plus or Apple TV, whatever the hell. Right. Commercial. We got another one in this one. I was like, Since when? I will say, the only thing with that is it's at least kind of on target. Like it's it's still media movie TV related, which is f- like I, I'm. It's less offensive to me as just a random Google commercial, because I don't watch TV. They had to find a way to get it in front of me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it yeah. just it really bothered me. It's not that I I'm not offended by it. I'm just confused by it. 
Like, it would make sense in that pre-trailer commercial section. Absolutely. Absolutely. If they did it there, I wouldn't think twice. Right. I don't know why I I find it odd in that format, in that location. It's my trailer time, though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting upset. It's like, well, yeah, it's like one of these things is not like the other. You know what I mean? Like, I... Like, no, go do your thing over there. Now I've just realized that basically what it means is that after two trailers, I could then go to the bathroom rather than going to the bathroom right before the trailer. Because I don't like, I love seeing the trailers. It's one of my favorite things. We talk, we've talked at length about trailers on this show. They're amazing. Now you're going to throw commercials in there? They are commercials. What are you yeah. doing? <laughs> you're killing me. It's horrible. See, what uh, happens, your movie-going experience is a lot different than my movie-going experience. My movie-going experience <laughs> The projector worked no more. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> my, my movie-going experience is I rush to the theater, buy a ticket as the time is supposed to be starting for the movie, which means I'm walking in with the first trailer. Mm-hmm. If I time it perfectly, sometimes I miss the first trailer. But today, it's... Walk in two minutes after the show is supposed to start, meaning the trailer is supposed to start kicking off, and get told, oh yeah, we can't sell you a ticket, and also we can't screen any movies, because none of our things work. Sick. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? So... And then I tried to scramble to go to the other theater, because they usually have kind of staggered start times, where they're like within like 15-20 minutes of each other. And this was like 10 minutes, but because I was like two minutes late, by the time I got out to my car, I had five minutes to get to a theater that was 15 minutes away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So instead, I had to watch it tonight, run home, get home even later than I expected, and we're doing this very late, and uh, my notes are going to be god-awful. <laughs> I find that our more frazzled episodes are generally better. You, uh, yeah, you like me in a heightened sense? Stint- I, I, I think so, because you, you're just vibing. You're going off what we got, what we're throwing back and forth. It's fine. It's great. Well, the, the, I, you have to balance the fresh in your mind, like, oh, I just got out of the theater, let's talk about it, which is kind of the format of the show that yeah. we planned it out. But on the other hand... And I think that works really well for certain conversation topics, but there's other things that like I think about like three days from now, and it's like, fuck, I wish we could sit down and have like a second recording and find a way to splice them together because we haven't actually put the episode out, and right. I have so much better thoughts about something that I just could not access in the sure, time. Sure, sure. No, I, I hear you. Oh, well, that's fine, because also on future episodes, we'll reference this movie, and we'll say things about it. So that's we'll, true. We it'll get its time. Too. We've had kind of like mini like retroactives on some of these things like that have even gone up to like 10, 15 minutes. So long story short, get your commercials out of my trailers. That's all. I just burped pure hops. Nice. Nice. Uh, I'm just going to sip on this beer like some bone broth. It's, <laughs> it is delicious. <laughs> Like uh, normally, that would have been a really gross burp, but it actually smelled delightful. <laughs> it was so fragrant. Oh <laughs> man, I smelled it over here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, that's just my pet peeves. Give me something. Um, are you all caught up on Watchmen? <laughs> no, I. Uh, oh, God. I am. I am exactly where you left me. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> Is it? It's so dark and fucked up and ridiculous and like. This is the right episode to have been talking about it because the can of worms they just opened up with Sunday's episode is ridiculous. Nice. With two episodes left to go in this season, it, it's a theory that some people have been kicking around for a while. I won't say what the theory is or what it's referring to. Okay. It's one that I kind of had been not fully formed in my mind. Not the specifics, but like I was in the neighborhood of it. Sure. And I was like, there's enough here. That kind of makes sense for all of it. 
but it just might be too audacious and ridiculous. And no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I like it leaves you on this big cliffhanger, and I was like, "Fuck! I want." No, no, no! You've done the thing. We've, we've, like, so many of us have kind of like figured it out, and <laughs> like you're giving it to us, but like also you've given us a middle finger along with it because it's like, no, you gotta wait till next week to get more answers on this. It's like, no, give me more. <laughs> it's really fucking good, man. This I is, like if you were like, I know you were a little on the fence early on, and you said you didn't love the first ent- episode, but you were intrigued, and then you got into it for the next few episodes. No, yep. you gotta catch back up. It's really fucking. Yeah. I- I'm at a weird stage right now where so Kim and I watch a lot of things together. Yeah. So the time each have some things you have to watch on your own. Yeah. yeah, So like there's yeah there's there's some things that I watch on my own, but when I'm with that time, I usually have that split between things I want to watch and things I want to play. And as you know, Jedi Fallen Order has taken precedent. Uh, I will say that each day I've been trying to watch an episode of Rebels while I eat lunch, Mm -hmm. uh, just because I'm really trying. I would really like to get through the rest of it before. Rise of Skywalker, and I'm pretty. I I I'm on track. I think. I mean, I I probably need like a couple hours one day to just you know bang out like four of them just to. to no, if to, you're doing it most days, like you're. Yeah. Probably doing. You're coming along at a pretty good clip. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's moving yeah, along. I mean, and it's perfect for lunchtime because it's like a absolutely four minute episode or whatever. Exactly, it's perfect. Uh, the only other thing is, I also would like to watch. Um, I I was going through the Star Wars movies, and I I only watched two of them. <laughs> so in that i mean I, I pulled it off with the mcu i should be able to pull it off with eight movies well 10 regardless it's half the amount <laughs> of what well, i had to do last time on that note let me kick it over then since we can't talk about watchmen to something else i want to talk about because you mentioned trying to get through all of rebels and trying to get through the movies and boy have i got a topic for you oh boy i stumbled on this on the internet. This is from CableTV.com. Perfect. Star Wars Movie Marathon. Are you the chosen one? CableTV.com will pay one destined winner $1,000 to watch every Star Wars movie back-to-back before the release of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker on December 20th. You're our only hope. But I'll just do that. Like, you don't have to pay me. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're not hearing me. Back to back. I, I'm hearing you. I still feel like it would be better than the Lord of the Rings back to no, back. No, 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 no. I, mean, I, love, I love all of my children equally. Uh, <laughs> um, and that's, that was training for this moment. So you need to... We're looking, here, I'm going to read you this whole thing. Yeah, hit me. I'm actually going to apply for this, because why the fuck wouldn't I? That's and anyone fine. else, I understand I'm creating competition. If anyone hears this, I'm guessing maybe one person might... Well, send that to me. I'll do it too. Okay. <laughs> um, we're looking for an entertaining Star Wars junkie with a Chewbacca-sized personality, the wit of Han Solo, and the smarts of Master Yoda. Well, okay, maybe not that smart. The chosen one must be an active Twitter user who is willing to share uh, their Jedi wisdom. Never mind. Move- <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I'm not an active Twitter user. You can take what? it for us. Yeah. Well, I figured I would be perfect. Can I apply for you? Can you get, like, a second vote? <laughs> right, yeah. Can, yeah, can we nominate Like a dual entry situation? <laughs> Willing to share their Jedi wisdom and movie watching experience while tagging the at cable TV team on Twitter. It helps if you're also active on Twitch, Reddit, or other social media. You don't need a degree or any lightsaber licenses, and don't worry, we won't test your midichlorians either. All we ask is you're 18 <laughs> years or older as a U- and a U.S. citizen. You might be too old to start training as a Jedi, but at least you can get paid a thousand bucks to watch Star Wars. So, you have to watch every 
This is a full Star Wars marathon with every canon movie included. That's 22 hours and 25 minutes worth of ancient, distant galactic glory. Not just any half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder can tune into the Force for that long. You'll watch every single one of the numbered releases as well as Solo and Rogue One. Um, You can watch them in any order you choose. The holiday special is not part of it? No, no, only canon. Didn't you say it Uh, was canon? It's not. Oh. Uh, although they might have pulled something from it and made it canon, I think, is mm. something we discussed. But, is um, it, is oh, it life, Bendy Boba life, Fett? <laughs> life, life, no, Life Life Day. They mentioned Life Day yeah. in, the man, in the first episode of The Mandalorian. And JFO. Um, oh, did they? I yeah. forgot. You, you can watch them in chronological order, release order, or any order at all. We trust you and the Force on this one. So the submission is... Please fill out the form on our application page with 200 words or less about why you're the best choice to watch the Space Saga for nearly a day straight. Point out parts of your personality that make you stand out from the crowd. Can you telepathically lift an X-Wing from a swamp? Or do you have Palpatine's persuasive powers? Let us know and make you the chosen one. Video submission is not required, but we spend a lot of money on our very own R2 to display holograms (laughs) of our contestants. So please send videos. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, you absolutely have to do this. The bounty and benefits. This gig is a fun, quick way to make cash without selling droids. You'll make about $45 per hour of film watching. Here's what else you'll get with the job. A welcome package complete with all 10 movies on Blu-ray. Bragging rights amongst all the other Trekkies. We're kidding. All work is remote and lasts less than one day in total. And you also get this Star Wars welcome package to help you succeed on your mission. Star Wars The Complete Saga on Blu-ray. Solo on Blu-ray. All of these things on Blu-ray. A, new, a Nerf Han Solo blaster. A Chewbacca onesie and an R two D two popcorn pop. Yes. Application applications close Wednesday, December eleventh at seven p.m. and the job needs to be completed before December twentieth in time for the launch of Rise of Skywalker. So the only thing you have to do if you are chosen by them is to in one twenty four hour span watch twenty two hours and twenty five minutes of Star Wars. That's intense. It is, which is why I was saying. It's so much more than the Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings thing we did was like it, 10 hours. It is, but the thing is, I, lo- I, I do love Star Wars at a level much higher than Lord of the Rings. So I sure, think I could see, do it. I love both of them so very much. I love Lord of the Rings much more than you do, and our Star Wars love is roughly comparable. I, all, I would not. All I'm hearing is more. in a pinch, I can finish watching these movies before. <laughs> That's, well, that's what I got out of it. Incentive to do it. Uh, you, uh, you come here on the what is it? The nineteenth. When are we seeing it? The earliest the you can see it is basically we're when we're seeing it. it. Where <laughs> you come here that day, and I'm just like fried, and my hair is like standing on end. I've got like pizza grease on my face. I'm like, I just finished all of them. <laughs> There's no way you'd be able to survive watching nine. You no, I'd fall asleep. It'd be the. It'd be a tragedy. Yes, eight minutes in. Uh, it would be like. After the opening crazies, you know what I'm I would fall I'm asleep. Not, I'm not appreciating yet. What's that? I'm not ready for the title scroll episode. I will never so ever forget when we were so speculative of like, what's the deal with Luke? And it's like, Luke's gone missing. Oh! <laughs> we're just going to answer some questions right away. I appreciate that. <laughs> like, could you imagine if it was just like, guys, shit's real. Sit back and enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's happened so far. This is it. <laughs> A long time ago, blah, blah, blah. Let's get to it. 
Uh, roll it again. <laughs> <laughs> what if that happened? If that was like the ultimate troll, like if they if they roll, if they do the scroll, and then he says that they cut to the actual footage of him <laughs> at the announcement, and they actually no, no, roll no, no. the Ian title screen is again. There in, the in in your theater, every theater at <laughs> the same time. <laughs> Clone Wars. Uh, <laughs> we make it happen. Oh my god. Uh, give me something else because I'm I'm all over the place. Oh, okay. Um, quick update on. I know you haven't been watching it, but I know we discussed it, and you were not so much interested in watching the show yourself, but just in my take on the show. His dark materials. And oh yeah. Um. Uh, so now I found that I almost perfectly nailed what I said to you when we first discussed it. The first couple episodes were going to be slow mm-hmm. because they have a lot of world building to set up, like just a fuck ton of it. Okay. The middle of the show is when it starts picking up. And like I said, basically the middle of the first book to like the middle of the second book or so is like my absolute favorite section of the whole trilogy. And we're just kicking that part of it off because I think we just watched the fourth or fifth one. Um, I, actually, I didn't finish watching this week's. So I'm halfway through this week's episode. Um... And yeah, things picked up. Nice. The Lin- Lin-Manuel Miranda character showed up. I was absolutely right that he is horribly miscast as that character. Um, that being said, he is enjoyable. <laughs> in he's just so he's charming. Doing. I think that's what Yes, like he's having a really good time, so I'm having a good time. Right. It's just not that character. I understand. So it's like if he was bad, it would really be ruining it for me but mm-hmm. he's good and fun so it's not completely ruining it for me i'm just a little disappointed um but like i said this is like if i can't get what it's supposed to be this isn't a bad consolation prize um but he's kind of like slapstick and like having fun and like cracking jokes and like just like being extra and that's yeah. like 150 percent not the character <laughs> so um whatever um it's fine and like i said i thought it was odd like they were just a weird they're choice. already introducing the beginning of what's supposed to be the beginning of the second book and they're like starting to do it in earnest they've been teasing it hinting at it and i thought maybe that's what they're gonna do is just kind of like setting the table for it so they could get sure. like right up off the ground running no no in this week's episode they started splitting it like 70 30 the actual storyline for Golden Compass slash Northern Lights and the beginning of the Subtle Knife's storyline. And it's probably the right thing to do because they can then, in the second, as they get to the second, although I wonder how they may they may slice up the end of the this exactly. Like, they have been pacing it properly where Lyra's story should end properly at the end of book one, um, where it does in this. But... By necessity, I think they're going to have to shift it around where most of season two will then have to be 70% Will's story and 30% Lyra's story until they finally meet. And I know that's a little bit of a spoiler for everyone, but you can kind of see that's where it's going to go eventually. <laughs> because there's like voiceover like narration sure. of the two characters at one point. And it's like, there's a prophecy of a girl who has to do like the whole world, all of the worlds rest on her and her decisions. She must carry a terrible burden and do terrible things, but if she's told those things, she won't be able to do them. Mm -hmm. So they have to kind of blind lead her through it. The people who are aware of these things know she has to do it, start to feel fairly confident that she's the one, 
but know that they have to not tell her because otherwise everything will be ruined. Sure. And most of these people don't actually even know what the prophecy is calling for. They don't know if it's going to be a net positive or negative. No. They just know it's important. It's pretty standard. <laughs> but part of the prophecy is that she won't have to do it alone. Okay. There's a boy who will help her to shoulder that, shoulder that burden. And as they're narrating that, they're flipping between the two of them. So you know that the two of them are eventually going to have to meet. Um, so, yeah, it's good. It's now, it's in, for a couple episodes now, it's picked up exactly as it should. Okay. Thing, things are happening. Story's happening. We're not just, and this is a thing, and this is another person. And sure, this is sure. A, and, uh, there's still some introductions, but it's like, oh, I want to know what that person's it's, about. Yeah, you know but what it's I moving mean? Like, All right, so here's a question then. Uh you say Lin Manuel Miranda's character, like he's not the right casting choice for the character. What do you think went into the decision, or do you know at all? Like, what, like, was it something like, is he a fan and wanted to I be a part no of it? I have no earthly idea. I should probably look into that. I'd be curious to to see because if you are if you're so if you feel so strongly that like I because the thing is I also you like him, which is which is another interesting thing, right? You're just saying that he's not right the right casting yeah, choice. Yeah, he's just a hundred percent the wrong person for the role. So I'd be curious how they got there or how... Yeah, I don't know. The the personality of the character he's playing is mostly not correct right now. Um, He's kind of doing and saying the right things as as far as like where he fits into the story. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's supposed to be... The one part of it he's gotten right is he's jaded. Um, But he's got this like happy, peppy thing that he's doing he's doing like a broadway showman thing right and he's supposed to be a very stead like kind of picture the mandalorian actually like a classic western character you know what i mean okay um like i said they they actually completely fucking nailed it outside of maybe picking a guy who was five or ten years too old um the first time around in the movie uh like i said the only thing that movie got right was the casting they nailed the casting of lord asriel and miss coulter and um of Lee Scoresby and it's Lee Scoresby was played by um Sam Elliott in the, oh, okay. uh, in the movie and oh, he very very it. different people. Yes, that's what I'm saying. He's you. supposed to be this tall lanky dude who's seen some shit. It's just like who, not fair though. Like Sam Elliott is two actors. You know, it's like him and his mustache. Like there's yeah, it's two it's amazing. The He's thing got the is, talent of the two. The character is supposed to have a big mustache. Like he was perfect right, well, in every, I, I am, every uh, sense of the word. I'm kind of curious about it. I think I might uh maybe I'll maybe I'll just read those books. I don't know. I've been I've been getting into reading lately as you know. So uh yeah. maybe I'll give that a go. I mean, they're not short books, but they're not super long. That's fine. Either. They're they're like you know, four or five hundred page books, not like eight hundred thousand yeah. page books. I just finished the whole Harry Potter series. I'm actually finishing. Uh, I'm reading through the the play right now, which is actually pretty good. I didn't really know anything about it beforehand, but I, I'm enjoying it. I don't really have any interest in reading it because she didn't actually write it. No, I I honestly, I don't really care so much about. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. All I know is like, I, it's just the way that I feel like. The material's probably kind of evolved beyond the person that created it at this point because of how much it's taken on with the movies and the atmosphere in Universal and like things like that. Like I don't know, it's just like it is its own thing at this point. Like it's it kind of stands on its own. Um, I don't know. She she's got her hand directly on the wheels in, as far as like the Fantastic Beasts beasts like movies. Mm. Like she's directly involved in writing and producing that. But you don't this, you don't love those movies though. <laughs> 
I don't. So I, I don't know. The reason I was willing to give it the time of day is because she was directly involved. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I actually, I like. I kind of like what's happening here. It does. It it feels a little fan servicey in that it's like, it doesn't. It's not a story that needs to be told. So far, I don't know where it's gonna go. So far, it's not a story that needs to be told. It's just like a hey, we missed the universe and we wanted to go back to it. That's what it feels like. Uh, which is, well, I, I'm actually okay with. Com- we've had that conversation, uh, vis-a-vis, uh, Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad, sure, Solo, stuff like that, where. You can do the story that doesn't need to be told as long as you do it well. Sure. Well, here's the thing. I think so far, from where I'm at, I think it's being done well. I just don't think it adds much. Um, mm. I do think... So it's maybe more of a El Camino situation? Yeah, maybe. Except there's one one thing that El Camino didn't, didn't do, which this thing is... Right now, I'm not thrilled with what's happening. It's kind of deteriorating my view of the Harry character and I don't mm. like that I don't like what it's doing to that character um and I I'm curious to see where it ends cuz I, I I do think there's there's a there's like you know the there's the natural human error that can be involved in emotion if he can overcome it by the end of the story then I'll be okay with it but if it goes if it doesn't really get a solid resolution I'm gonna be a little bit. I'm not gonna. I'm not giving anything away here. I just like don't want. I I don't want him to be a character that I'm not rooting for. Oh, so it's not just that he's flawed. It's that you're actually he's kind of shitty. You're gonna say you're starting to actively dislike. Absolutely, him. yeah. And I get the thing is, if you think if you look at like psychology and things like that, like I can understand what they're doing with the character. It makes sense. It's it's very it's very human what they're doing. But the characters are I, without without knowing the specifics. You could look through the lens of. What the the specifics of the of the Luke character in the sequels, like how everyone, it's like you said, it's kind of a, not just the psychology of the character, but the psychology of the person watching or embracing the media, right? How you respond can tell you as much about yourself sure. as about the character, um, and that's why I, I find it interesting if you're going through the same thing where it's, do I not like what they're doing to the character? Because I disagree with it, or because it's not being done well and it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like I, I've had that conversation with people about Luke, and you and I are on the same page. We've discussed it a, a bunch of times where we felt like it was a natural evolution of that character, and it was understandable. And even if we didn't one hundred percent agree with all of it, we got it. Yeah, here the and it all, and it all made sense. Absolutely. And for some people. It didn't make sense, and I've tried to have that conversation with them, because if you can understand it, you don't have to like it. That's what sure. I say to people all the time. You don't have to, and I say it to my brother a lot, it frustrates him, um, you don't have to like it right. as long as you can understand it. If you can understand it and embrace what's being done to the character, it can allow you to continue on without like fully tarnishing it for yourself, because it makes logical sense even if it's not what you would do with the character and you take ownership of the character yourself yeah i I think the the, it gets put in a little bit of a weird like a gray area specifically because a play is not meant to be read yeah um and there is a lot that i could would imagine would come through in directing the performance of the character because so much is left out of the dialogue and stage like directions that are on the page that you would get from the character's performance yeah. Or that you would get from establishing like 
descriptions in text of like uh you see how hurt he is on his face when he says x like like you can't you you're not able to fully get that with just reading the screenplay okay or that not the screenplay the the play <laughs> it's a play uh so i think there's i'm giving it a little bit of leeway there but at the same i also when i finish it i really would like to see it and see how it how it plays out and i want to go into it with how I like I want to really try to remember how I feel about it while I'm reading it going into it just mm. because it feels like there, there's just something off it's almost as like the character could have gotten to where he is but I don't necessarily see him getting to that point based on what we've experienced so far okay um so anyway it's not it's not crazy or anything like that it's just uh it's just interesting um but at at any rate i am enjoying the story though i think the story is good uh it's a lot of just like it feels like a lot of what if we did this instead of this and we'll use this kid to do that (laughs) you know but um it's uh i don't know it's kind of cool uh it's it's i'm i'm definitely like i'm gutting through it rather quickly i'm like i like i i like burn through it really fast as i'm reading it just because it's it is engaging and um while i you know I am through and through a movie person. Uh, I have issues with certain things in books. I think there's there's a line between a reading a book and reading a uh, a play, in that the play doesn't give you nearly enough when you're reading it, and the book. It's not, it's not my favorite format. The book gives me way too much. <laughs> uh, I, so you need to find something between. I need, exactly. I need. I need the first three Harry Potter books is what I need. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I was saying I think you would. If it's a topic that interests you, or if it's a project that interests you, his dark materials would be more accessible because, like I said, they're more in the three fifty to five hundred range. Yeah. At least the first two were. The third one might have been a little longer. I forget. Um, it's been a long time, but uh, yeah, they're much more manageable. They're more like the early Harry Potter books yeah. than they are the later <laughs> than the later I uh, get it you have hormones like fucking relax like <laughs> the Game of Thrones ones I don't know I never found any of that to be uh, you know what it is overly burdensome it's very possible that it is it was reading so many of them consecutively and not breaking it's very possible that, that that's what it was because I understand that when you write another book you do have to regurgitate some of that right you have to get the people back into the place that the character was in when certain things happen and it feels repetitive if you're reading them straight through well especially the first like eight chapters usually yeah yeah anyway that's that uh let's talk about okay (laughs) actually you know what another pet peeve uh there's a teaser trailer for a trailer that's coming out tomorrow what's that about (laughs) um the thing is they've done that for all of them or at least the last couple oh have they uh, I well, I wouldn't have just been able to tell you that, but when I saw that on Sunday or Monday, yeah, Sunday because it was during the NFL games, um, I saw the teaser for the for was it No Time to Die, mm-hmm. um, and then at the end of it, it said full trailer on Wednesday. I was like, oh yeah, they did that for the last couple of them. It's just funny because so it it's not a teaser. It's a trailer trailer. It's not a teaser. <laughs> That's what I, it's it's kind of annoying in that way. I feel like I didn't really get much like no tone or anything out of it. I just got to get excited because the trailer is coming. Well, it was a true tease. Um but not of I, the movie, of the trailer. That's what my problem is. <laughs> I don't know. The thing is, like I said, I as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember this for the last couple of them." Yeah. So like 
it wasn't like I just remember that being a thing after having seen it. So it was like, oh yeah. I wish it was like, oh, trailer tomorrow, not trailer Wednesday. That was really my only. Sure, issue. sure. I'm actually really excited uh, for the trailer. I'm also really looking forward to the movie. More on that later. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, I was say it's it's weird because we have to talk about it now because like it happened. Yeah. Uh, but the trailer is going to come out after we're done recording, and we're probably not going to have a time to come back on. And- exactly. So like next week we'll talk about. Yeah. It? Yeah. We'll pe- we'll bring it in next week. When you're hearing this, you'll have seen the trailer. That's right. That's right. Hopefully. Hopefully you're on and top of your shit. next week when you're listening to us talk about it, you'll have forgotten the trailer. <laughs> what are they oh, talking about? Oh, this is about? just that good. <laughs> yeah, right. Or we forget to talk about it because it's completely forgettable. <laughs> because it's been six days. Yeah. All right. Here's a topic that we can both talk about. The Black Widow trailer's out. Uh, got a couple of quick notes here. Okay. At first, when I was watching the trailer, I was like, it, I think the first probably 20 seconds or so of the trailer, I was like... Is the, is the entire trailer going to just be regurgitated footage and not actually be a trailer? Like, that's a thing that's done. That's a teaser thing, right? Where you can... Yeah, Star Wars did that yeah, for nine. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was like, when you told me, and then I looked it up, and then I was like, oh, there's like so much about this. I thought it was going to be more than that. And it turns out it is. Thank God. Um, so it's more than that. At first, I was like, all right, yeah. No, it was a full trailer. Yeah, I was like, I know I know these things. And then, and then they started to get into it. Uh, against all odds, I'm in. I don't know what they did with that trailer, but they they nailed it. Uh, the music, the execution. You know, you know what got you? It was David Harbor. You know. It it was David Harbor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, uh, it was a uh, it was a lot of things. It was basically the whole Born Identity movies meet the MCU that I was really interested in, <laughs> and yeah. I was thinking like, oh, okay, it's like there's like Lucy and. Like all these other movies that I feel like are trying to do this, but this is an established character that I actually give a shit about, and I feel like it's gonna work this time. It's Lucy slash Hannah slash Red Sparrow slash I care all wrapped up into one thing. <laughs> Jason Jason Bourne, but with someone I know, right? With the character with a character that I'm already pseudo invested in, and also just tremendous music cues. The music in the trailer is awesome. Really, I was really I don't, I don't into recall it. it but yeah. I'll take your word. For it. I was, I was very much. I was like, uh, it was good, good vibes. Um, it felt like, it felt like the like the MCU, but darker and grounded, almost like a, almost like like what I'm getting out of some of the Watchmen stuff, like a comic uh, book. I was gonna say it, it's the Rogue One of the MCU. Yeah, yeah, perfect, perfect. Which actually kind of makes sense since she's dead. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, open questions. Will we find out what happened in Budapest? I imagine so. I hope so. Do you really, Do you think Clint's going to be in it? Probably. It would make sense. I hope so. I hope that he's in some, in some capacity there. But I also hope that they don't tell us. It would give us some reason for him to still be around. <laughs> mm. Mm. I still can't believe they fucking killed her and kept him around. It was the stupidest. Like, for a, a two-part movie that did so many things right... That's a pretty big misstep. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was almost rooting for that situation where almost where they both fall, and it's like somebody else is gonna have to come pick up the stone because they fucked up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just Red Skull standing there. Uh, huh. Guys, this has never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> now you look goes to the rule book. Ah, <laughs> I get it. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Uh, also, I love me some David Harbor. So and and Rachel Weisz. 
Yeah, that surprised me. I forgot she was in this. Yeah, the uh, I, I don't know. There was also there was I some definitely cool didn't stuff. know that he was in this. Oh, you didn't? No, I think I just forgot. Yeah, no, it it looks good. It's a it's a really well done trailer. Uh, it doesn't. It gives you just enough to get you interested. Doesn't really tell you anything. Yeah, I still don't know fucking anything no. other than it's her and her family, which I thought it, she had none. Yeah, that's. I think that's what that's what's a little odd about it. I don't know. Is it actually her family, or is it like the people that she considers family? I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see when we when we get there. But uh, I, I, I mean, it's definitely got to be a bit of both because like the 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 one girl was like sister. Yeah. At, at any rate, it seems like it's going to be executed with the care that it's going to take for me to be invested in it, which I'm really happy about. Which I probably should have just assumed at this point. Uh, but it also it's like oh, I was excited to see the character for the first time, and I was like, <laughs> interesting. Like, it's just, and it's the thing you said. It's like they. They never really gave that character anything to do until die so that we can progress the plot. Like, you know, and it's just, it's just a waste. It, it seems very throwaway. Um, like they just didn't know how to handle it. And now it's like, okay, if we're going to center this whole story around this character, we'll at least be able to invest our time and emotion into the character. It's just weird because, and I know we talked about it in that episode for Endgame several months ago. Those two characters never were really given anything to do. No. But in that movie, you gave one of them a reason to continue to live, and the other one, you took away all reason for him to live, and all right he had to happiness. So it didn't make a lot of sense to give it back to him who didn't deserve it and take it away from the one who finally did. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I if, if they just, if they went more of a route of like she's going a little nuts with how everything has gone and she's like more of a Steve Buscemi in Armageddon character like that would have been a really fun way to do it. <laughs> it's, like, it's, maybe, but the, the, like the whole point is one of them was going nuts and yeah. that's the one who walked away. Yeah, yeah. It would have been like if at the end Harry grabbed. AJ and threw him out and said, yeah, you're going to go do it. <laughs> like, I got nothing to live for, and you have everything to live for, but um, you're going you're gonna to do the bomb thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I didn't plan on this all turning into a whole lot of Armageddon. That's pretty much what happened. Why have we not done that movie yet? That's a, that's a missed well, opportunity. We've had a pretty good run of releases lately. It's got to be hitting some ridiculous anniversary that we could do for it soon. Uh, did it pass the anniversary? I think we're going to need to do a top 10 movies of the decade as our last episode of this It, it of definitely this year. came past its anniversary because it came out pre-2000 and we're about to hit 2020. Yeah. So. Yeah. It is at least 20 years old. Yep. Oh, man. I remember watching that movie in one of your houses. Not the one you're in now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a different place that you used to live. You lived in different places. <laughs> That's all I, re- I And I feel like that I've been to all of them. I just don't know where they were. <laughs> I don't recall you coming to the condo in Vermont. That's the one. It wasn't in the condo. It wasn't there? No, because we moved out of that by like 95. Nah. And Armageddon was after that. I, I think I've been to every place you lived. What's I'm saying? I don't recall you being at the condo. Pretty sure I've been there. But, well, because I barely remember. Describe that. to me the layout of the condo. It was a condo. Got it. I was there. <laughs> so you, water, you walk in the front door, you turn left, there's a kitchen, you keep going. It's an L-shaped kitchen, you go through back to the, the living room. And then out back. What's the one that had the river in the backyard? Yeah, that was the con. I was there. Boom. Nailed it. Okay. (laughs) I was also tremendously sick when we came. I think I got like an ear infection while I was there. Nice. Yeah, it sucked. 
Um, anyway, I bet it's uh, it's Al's history. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. When does that come out? Is that March? I don't March, know. Sometime next year. March something. Whatever. What, whatever. The thing is, they probably said it at the end of the trailer, and I don't fucking remember. Yeah, they might. They might have. They might have. Uh, that I'm excited for that. It, uh, it it actually looks good. I'm ready to get back in some MCU action. So, looking forward to it. Um, all right. What else you got? Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge. Okay. Streaming exclusively. <laughs> Literally, on this just this just crossed my screen. And I X'd it out. <laughs> I didn't even... <laughs> what, what is it? Original game show to be hosted by Ahmed Best. But what is it? Jedi Temple Challenge, an exciting new Disney Plus game show set in a galaxy far, far away, will test young contestants' ability in the core Jedi principles of strength, knowledge, and bravery as they face thrilling and fun obstacles in an attempt to achieve the rank of Jedi Knight. From lightsabers to hyperspace, the Force and the Dark Side. Jedi Temple Challenge transports viewers and contestants into the Star Wars galaxy like never before. The show is hosted by Ahmed Best, who will play a Jedi Master and mentor to the contestants. Known to many fans as Jar Jar Binks from the Star Wars prequels, Best's unique set of skills is as an actor, dancer, martial arts expert, stomp musician, and Star Wars fan make him the perfect choice as the show's host and mentor. Best is joined by a hilarious humanoid droid, Companion, voiced by Mary Holland from Veep and Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. This is definitely a kid's game show like no other, says Lucasfilm's Senior Director of Online Content and Programming, Mickey Capoferri. The various challenges will test a Padawan's connection to the Force in three locations. A forest planet, on board a Jedi star cruiser, and inside a Jedi temple. Immersing them and the audience in a fun, humorous, and exciting competition. Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge brings together the best of Star Wars, competitive spirit, harrowing obstacles, and a hero's triumph over challenges. In a totally new format for the franchise, says Dan Silver, Vice President of Original Unscripted Content on Disney+. A game show set in the Star Wars galaxy is a perfect fit for Disney+. I am 100% going to watch this, because what I'm hearing right now <laughs> is Legends of the Hidden Temple Star Wars. Yeah, that sounds about right, Yeah, that, you got me. I'm in. It will stream exclusively on Disney Plus in 2020. Cool. I'm only on I Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, I still haven't gotten to watch a lot of stuff on it. The Mandalorian. Is I, I was going to say, I got my money worth with The Mandalorian and Rebels, so like I'm fine. Well, I've spent $0, so I've definitely gotten more than my money. Well, that's worth. true. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, The Mandalorian's fucking great. We're going to talk about it more later after the movie episode, oh, in this episode. Um I like that I have access to all these things. I have been a little intimidated to go into all of it, but I also have, like, I feel like it's going to be something that I dive into around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Once, like, The Mandalorian will be over, Watchmen will over, be over, His Dark Materials will be over. Like, I'm going to hit a little bit. Like, I'm going to time yeah. now where I've, like, I have two big shows running. Plus, I had all my fall comedies running that just ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I have Jedi Fall in Order. Like, I'm going to be done with all of those things. I need something to watch. Sure. Um, I'm obviously going to watch 22 hours and 25 minutes straight of Star Wars movies on Disney Plus right. sometime in the next 20 days. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I want to um, do it. I do really want to see that um, th- some of those movies in 4K. Yes. Um, especially, I want to see what the conversion of the, the originals on 4K looks like. Yeah, so I have... I watched one and two, which it doesn't really matter to see those. Three, I think, will look very good. And then watching the old ones redone, 
uh, like remastered will be interesting. The, the thing is, for whatever reason, at the end of every Mandalorian episode, it tells me to watch Empire Strikes Back. What is that? Yes, I get that too. So, I want to see that. One. It's like you like the dark, grittier stuff. That's why you're watching this, right? <laughs> Here's episode five. I guess so. I mean, it could tell me to watch Rogue One too. So, I mean, like, it could, it could, but it's making a better choice. I mean, sure. <laughs> uh, it's most. It's a lot of. Mo- probably the most people's favorite of the series. It's my favorite of the series. It's I but, cannot pinpoint my favorite of the series. I don't know. For a long time now, you've been saying it was J- Return of the Jedi. Have you backed off that? I just the thing is, there's it's gotten to the point where there's so many of them, and I've seen so many of them so many times that I just don't know. And I haven't seen Return of the Jedi in a really long time. But uh, we'll yeah. we'll see because I'll, I'll I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get there. I uh, I'd be curious if my opinion changes in my adult years. <laughs> How long has it been since you seen Return of the Jedi? It's been a long time. I the thing is, I I feel like I know it like the back of my hand though. Yeah. So the thing with me is because I still have TV. Like they play them on TV not that infrequently. So like I do get to see at least parts of all of these movies occasionally. Sure. Um. So it never feels like it's that long since I've seen them. Well, with the exception of Phantom Menace, that one I really hadn't seen in any substantial way in several years. That's so funny. Watched it a few months ago. Phantom Menace and Return of the Jedi are the two that I've seen the most, hmm. and here's why: uh, Return of the Jedi I would rent over and over and over again from the video store that we had our dealings with pizzeria. I give you pizza, I take Return of Jedi months, and then I watch it. Uh, that happened over and over again. So much so that I'm still jarred by the fact that the Zarlacc pet has a mouth. Like that. Like every every time that comes up, I'm like, oh, all right. Like, <laughs> like they added that in. It, See, I it used to be a floppy mess. <laughs> I watch it. I watch it enough without it. Yeah. But I still have watched it more times with it. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, much more recently. So it's to me, it's always like when I see it, it's like. That used to not be there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, no, I got, I got like, you. Oh my god, it is there. You know. And the other, the other, the reason why I watched Phantom Menace so much, um, as a as a kid, I loved that movie. And when I bought the VHS, I yes, the VHS, I watched it over and over. I would like come home from school, I put it on, and I'd do my homework, and then I'd be finished with my homework, and I'd watch it one more time, and then wow. I would put it on before I went to bed, and I would fall asleep to it. You watched it three times, dude. A day? It was for a few weeks. It was intense, and yeah, like because everyone had that movie when they were a kid, or you know, maybe a couple of different movies over like over the course of like multiple years. Yeah. Oh, it was this movie for a year or two? That movie for a year or two? Whatever. Um, that they watched every day or every night, whatever. Three times a day? No, that's not. The oh, dude, and don't get me started. That, that's just the whole movie. Then there's like the rewinding and watching the Duel of the Fates over and over again. <laughs> Did you hear? That every main theme is going to be in this movie. Stop. That's a thing. Stop. I don't know if it's 100% confirmed. I think it is. Including that one? Because they used Duel of the Fates in the newest trailer. Yeah. The newest spot, whatever. I, I believe... I didn't get to follow it up. I meant to look it up. But now you just said it reminded me. I believe that someone, Abrams or someone, said every theme is used, at least temporarily. Dude... I'm every main, going every to... main theme, not, not like you're not going to get the porny guitars from Attack of the Clones, but like every main theme. So like the Duel of the Fates, the like the Padme. I don't remember what that one's called, but you know the one from Attack of the Clones. Yeah. You know, 
that one I think is going to be the one that would be used in it. Um, I'm guessing Battle of the Heroes then probably for um, Revenge of the Sith unless they use the the tragedy of Plagueis the Wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> That's probably actually what they're going to play. You know, I think every at least from the saga, maybe not whatever the main theme from Solo and Rogue One. I don't know if those were kind of. I think all of the ones from the numbered saga are going to show up at some. That's point. amazing. Oh my it god, I am I'm going to implode. Part of it, I think, is a little bit of just to take the burden off of John Williams because it's obvious that the years are catching up because he like didn't do Rogue One at all. He added but also like, to... can you? It's like how many hits can this guy give you? Sure, he's I'm tapped he out. Only one, he only added one new theme for eight, whereas he added like eight new things for seven. Sure, um, and then just wrote like the one theme for Solo. I think it was the main Solo theme, and he's like, you know, no, I gotta cut this. Because, well, I think part of it was completionism. He said, I never gave Han his own theme, so I need to... Sure. Oh, my God. I, I'm i getting the the chills thinking about this movie. And it's just, it's too much. I can't handle it. And it's like two weeks away. It's so the close. Score, the score in seven was incredible. It's- which is what made me disappointed me about eight, because they just added the one that they used with, like, the Canto Bite stuff with Rose. Sure. Um, so I just always associate with her, whether or not, like, it's her theme. Um and it's fine. Uh, I actually liked it, yeah. um, but it's much more subtle and restrained than most of the other ones that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, Seven, the music was so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I might have to get through all these movies again beforehand. I almost want to start over. <laughs> I mean, I'm only two in. in this. Well, you're going to when you and I split that thousand dollars. That's right. That's right. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Now all I can think about is Rod Skywalker. Ah, Okay. Oh, what else you got? News Dude, and nuggets. We only have like 17 more, 16 more days. I thought you were going to say we have 16 more news and nuggets to get through. And I was like, Jesus Christ, Al, you're going to have to put some of those on next week's. <laughs> no, I'm actually tapped out on news and nuggets. The last thing that I had was what we're watching. And I know you had said you were watching uh, Stark Materials. Um, well, my, my two what we're watching is you're not actually watching. Sure. So. I, uh, I watched a couple episodes of The Righteous Gemstones. It is. Oh yeah, I watched it a couple, like a month or so. It's absurd. It's 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 so absurd. Did you ever watch Vice Prince? No, but I want to. Okay, um, I liked that better. Oh okay. But the Righteous Gemstones was still really good. The or the first season. I I know they're working on a second season now, but uh, I watched the whole first season in like two or three days, um, like a month ago, mm-hmm. and. It was definitely good. It's so... I feel so grimy watching Danny McBride's shows. Yeah. Um, Vice, Vice Principals, Vice Principals, either way. Like, I just feel grimy watching them. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. They're all so weird. It, well, so, my favorite part... The th- my favorite thing that's happened so far is... Uh, it was actually... It came up because... The only reason I started watching it was I was listening to an Armchair Expert uh, episode with Adam Devon. I also listened to the one with Danny McBride. They talked about the show. They talked about it a lot and how much they love it. So, I was like, oh, I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, and the one with Adam Devine got me, I was hysterical because they're talking about a scene where he screws up a line delivery, but they kept it in just because it was so ridiculous and kind of perfect for him. And which line was it? Well, I, I had for, I listened. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to watch the show. Then I started watching it and I started hysterically laughing and then realized after like, oh, that's what they were talking about. They're in the bathroom and he, uh, Danny McBride says something like he's like, they're going to attack this, this other priest <laughs> the southern oh, yeah, yeah. the Dermot Mulroney yeah. and 
Adam Devine goes, have you lost your malleables? <laughs> he was, he was gonna say, he says in that, in that, uh, in that interview that he was gonna say mind, but in that moment realized that he just said, have you lost your mind in a previous take or for a previous line that he like wanted to change it and he screwed up in saying it and they were just like, well, this is perfect. <laughs> I, I don't remember that, but that's funny. It's it's so it's so good. It's it's like you can't even fake. The way that he said it. That's how ridiculous... Like, because it's so naturally jumbled. <laughs> it's, it's, so you so you recognize then that the sister was Fran in the yeah, Knives Out. Yeah. Because I was watching with, with Gianna and she <laughs> didn't this? watch... Her and Dominic didn't watch The Righteous Gemstones, but the three of us watched Vice Principals together. Mm. And I was like, do you recognize her? And she's like, no. I said, she was the crazy teacher in Vice Principals. Oh. oh my god! Yeah, she's in. I was like, she's in Righteous Gemstones as well. She must be in like all the stuff that Danny Bride does. That's funny. Well, because Walton Goggins is in this, and he was also. It's like the two of them are like the dual leads of Vice Principals. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so let us. Uh, we're done with news and nuggets, right? Yes. So let's get into our quiz. It's game. It's, say, it's do, fun and games. Do we have fun and we games? We have fun and games. I remembered it. This is the this is of the, of the like ten weeks we've been doing this. this is the first <laughs> time I actually remembered it. Which knives out character? I literally are you? forget it every time. Th- this one is on the nose. So, which knives out character are you? Pick a Ryan Johnson movie: Brick, The Brothers Bloom, Looper, or Star Wars: The Last Jedi. I think this one's for us. Yeah, I had a feeling. Yeah. Pick a way to spend your fortune: house, business, cars, or donate. Wait, had a. Sorry, say that again. Pick a way to spend your fortune. Oh. House, cars. Business, donate. Um, I guess (laughs) donate? There's no family option. Pick a mystery movie. Chinatown, Sherlock Holmes, Gone Girl, A Simple Favor. A Simple Favor is a really good movie. We should get to that one. I know. I still haven't gotten to see that yet. Um, I'm going to go with Gone Girl. Nice. You're going with Baby Teeth? (laughs) <laughs> pick what best describes you inquisitive angry spoiled caring caring pick a cast member's movie halloween casino royale hereditary avengers endgame oh casino yeah royale. i knew that was coming pick a weapon knife poison candlestick rope candlestick it's just so bizarre right yes pick a song it's like candlesticks are only used for like i don't even register that a candlesticks are used for candles they're used for murder. That's what they're for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from playing the game Clue, right. it's, you know, it's... Pick a song yeah, from the soundtrack. Sweet Virginia by the Rolling Stones. More Than This by Roxy Music. Losing My Mind by Stephen Sondheim. Sondheim? Sondheim? Animal Zoo by Spirit. Pass. Yeah, <laughs> I'll uh, the Stones one, just because that's the only song I have. <laughs> pick a Clue character. Mrs. White, Mr. Green, Mrs. Peacock, Professor Plum. Um, Mrs. White. Mrs. <laughs> Flames on the side of my face. <laughs> pick a 29... 29- I, I would I would have probably picked Miss Scarlet because she cracked me up in that movie, but Madeline Kahn, just that one scene cracks it's, me up. It's you. amazing. I know you love oh, it Oh, so absolutely. Uh, also that one scene where she just goes, ah! Pick a 2019 <laughs> movie. Us, Captain Marvel, Booksmart, or Hustlers? But you said just pick a movie? Yep. It was Us, what? Captain Marvel. Booksmart or Hustlers? Uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Finally, pick a sweater. <laughs> pick a sweater? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a, there's a picture of uh, Chris Evans wearing his sweater in the movie. Uh, Michael Shannon wearing his sweater in the movie. Uh, Marta wearing her sweater. And the uh, 
the Nazi child masturbating. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't wear any of those sweaters. I guess the Chris Evans one. It's I, I it's know. the nicest looking one. Yeah. All right. You got Marta. You are thoughtful, generous, and you hate lying. People have walked all over you in the past, but you will get the last laugh in the end. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you to it. All right. <laughs> I like it. All right. With that, let us get into our flick of the week. Knives Out, released in 2019, PG-13, two hours and ten minutes. It's a comedy crime drama. This is your IMDb synopsis. A detective investigates the death of a patriarch of an eccentric combative family. That is just so not what this movie is. I mean, that's there. (laughs) Woefully inadequate. (laughs) Right. Uh, This movie is tremendous. Okay? And for my tweet-length review, what I have is not a donut hole, but a smaller donut that fits inside the hole of a donut with its own donut hole. (laughs) Of all the ridiculousness that was said in this movie, that was probably the best best part. The the best part. Okay, what this movie did, this movie did a lot for me. Uh, One, didn't hate Michael Shannon. I know that I have a, a... I hate like a a dislike for that his acting uh, for no real reason. If you think about it, I say at this point you have to finally have no, come no. back to the fold, right? Like, I've 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 agreed. I think the, maybe two times since that I've seen a movie with him. I agree that the the distaste that I have is not warranted. I, yeah. I, I agree with that in this in this movie he was actually very good. I thought he was, and he he kind of won me over a little bit. I think he was tremendous in this. Uh, that being said, Daniel Craig. At his finest. And he's just having a blast. And you can see it. He's having so much fun making this movie that it makes the movie. Yes. And it's, I just, I'm just, uh, I don't know. I'm just beside myself. I was like watching the movie. I was like, this is, this movie is so much fun. This is Clue in 2019. It's so good. It's funny because, and I'll get to this a little later. I've been describing it when I'm talking with people as like, oh, you know, part clue, part murder, murder at the Orient Express. Yeah. Like, like all, I actually think it's closer to murder on the mm-hmm. Orient Express than it was clue. Although obviously, except for the location, <laughs> that's pretty much. It. Yes. Well, the location was more, but the actual sensibilities of the movie and its character absolutely were more reminiscent of murder on the Orient Express than. Yeah. But yes, by token of having an eccentric person die at the beginning, and it's in a. This ridiculous, elaborate thing with, you know, mansion with secret tunnels and all that shit. Yes, obviously, much more clue-like in that respect. Uh, my tweet-length review was a delightfully contrived and convoluted web of ridiculousness that has surprising heart. Yeah, <laughs> well said. Well said. <laughs> I also had I had an alternate here that says a murder mystery where the murder isn't so much the mystery. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that was my first note that I put down here. It doesn't have to be the first note we discuss, uh, because that should be more post-spoiler. Um, it's so incredibly bold to not just give away the killer, but the entirety of the situation Yeah, in the first act of the movie. Absolutely. Like, and it wasn't delivered with false like n- like narrative, like unreliable narrator type of thing. No, no, no. They explicitly yeah, like, tell you. Here. <laughs> take, they take explicitly this. tell you who killed him and how and why and the entirety of how it happened in the end of the first act and then had two thirds of the movie left. And I was like, huh, how 
are they going to sustain <laughs> this? Right. And I guess we can say this because it's still pre-spoilers. Um, it requires an entire deconstruction of the whodunit murder mystery genre. Absolutely. In fact, it's now entirely something different. This movie is not a whodunit murder mystery. We know well, who's done that's it. That's the thing that I actually, I've been hanging on to lately because everybody's like, the perfect whodunit movie. I'm like, no. It's, it's, don't get me wrong. It's perfect. Well, it kind of was because at the end, the big reveal of there was always something more <laughs> going on and they've, they, all of the, the whole movie. I don't know. There's, the a, there's an implication in the whodunit of like who did, who done the murder, I feel like. Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, anyway, it, it's a, it's a perfect mystery movie. And I guess this, you know, continues on and I've heard some people say it sarcastically and it's like, well, no, it's an earnest real thing of. You, you'll hear it used as an epithet instead of as a as a credit to the person. Ryan, oh, Ryan Johnson subverting the, the, the genre and, you know, subverting expectations. He's no longer interested and you don't have to like it. Uh, like I said, you just have to understand it. Yep. We've seen all of these stories so many times. You know, the Hermeter mystery, the hero's journey. The whatever you want to say. There's every type of story you can think of. You've seen it a million times and you can rearrange the parts and the pieces and the order in which the story is told. But in the end, like they said, what in, in literature there's like six types of stories you can tell, right? Mm-hmm. You know, man versus man and man versus himself and man versus uh, environment and stuff like that. Whatever the, there was, I think there were six types of stories that you can have. There's only six types of stories you can have. Mm-hmm. Like they're all the same thing. So, Taking it apart and putting it back together again in something that's inside out, you know. Oh my god, the creature's inside out. <laughs> you and I were just yep. discussing before. Um, and then it exploded. And then it exploded, which kind of actually fits this yeah, movie, really. Per- pretty perfectly. Um, but oh, this movie's an yeah. onion, also. Which, yeah, I mean, that's it's like, got it's, layers. It's, yeah. No, there's something to be said for, like, give me some, like, wh- like what more could you ask for? When you go to the movies. I guess that's why Nothing. the movies are dying, right? Is because you've seen all of these stories so many times. And it's not a failing of the directors and writers or whatever. There is a finite amount of different ways sure. you can do these things. So if you want a reason to get up and turn off Netflix and go see a movie, it's because it's something you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to be... I, I don't have a problem with a, a good like little popcorn flick that doesn't make you think too yeah. much. I really don't. I like a lot of movies like that. We were talking about Armageddon before. Oh, yeah. Like, Jesus, we like love that movie. It's fine. Absolutely. Um, like, but sometimes you do need to get outside of your comfort zone. That is literally the idea of getting off your couch off in front of your 4K TV. I have both those. I spend a lot of time on them. Yeah. To get up and go out and do something different. Yeah, you gotta get out there because you don't want to miss a thing. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> you you I, set I'm it as up. Guilty as anyone. I'm as guilty as anyone, <laughs> and more so than most people, of getting in my own comfort zone with like so many things in my life that the one thing I know I can control is to get outside of my comfort. Just listen to our fucking show. The mo- dude, we do the Phantom Thread, and then we'll do Star Wars the next week. Yeah. Like. You can't get more different than that. We'll do Roma, and then we'll do fucking Frozen. Right. <laughs> it 
was something I was talking about with my sister because she's abandoned the Star Wars marathon. <gasps> she just can't do it anymore. I'm very disappointed in her. And I was like, listen, when I set out to have you start doing this, it wasn't to turn you into a super Star Wars fan. It was never going to happen. I always knew that. The point was to get you out of your comfort zone, to just experience different things. It's two hours of your life. You're not going to really miss it. You know sure. what I mean? It's 22.5 like hours of her life, but it's fine. Well, if you do, yeah, if you do it all at once, the point was to do it over six no, months. You. You're not going to miss that time. You know what I mean? One day in six months. You know how many fucking days of six she'll, months I or you or There'll be a time them? in the future where she redeems herself and she'll watch them with you. I sure hope so. And the thing is, like, she was even like, you know what? It was so much getting in my own head to just sit down and watch the movie. Because once the thing started rolling, I liked some of them. I didn't like some of them. But, like, it was fine while I'm watching it. And it's like, yeah, and that's the point. Just to sit down and turn it on. Yeah. I didn't want you to get to that crunch of watching six movies in six days. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, it's intimidating for someone who likes so, it, let alone someone who doesn't. So, in short, the the two things that we're, we would like to, you to take away from Flicks and a Six is get out of your comfort zone and you don't have to like things. You don't have to like them, but you have to understand. you have to understand them. And that's what we're trying to do, man, is just give our best understanding right. of these things. Neither of us, we, we may be cinephiles, but we're not fucking PhDs in filmography. Like, sure. Uh, sure. I don't know. Like, there's, there's different levels that everyone can embrace any of these things at. And you can find your comfort zone at that. Like, don't talk at your ass about sure. something that you don't understand. We, are, we do that sometimes, but we try, we endeavor to be better. I think we're a lot better now than we were with episode one. We're widely the target audience for a lot of things, which is because we like movies so much, but we're not always going to be the target audience, but we'll try anyway. Yeah, and, uh, and that, I mean, that's my biggest takeaway with this. I episode. hear you. Just go out and do something different. This movie is distinctly different. So, than most things you'll see. Uh, getting back into this movie, I want to rattle off a couple of things and then go into spoiler territory because there's so much that we need to talk about with this movie that we don't, we can't just like skirt around things. So yes, the nature of this movie requires full e exactly. Discussion. So here's a couple of things I need to rattle off. First off, this movie is stylish as hell. I love the way the movie is shot. It's just yeah, it's it's funny because. I was thinking about it like I, I saw something that was just a little blurb about like like reviewing this movie and it was like with Knives Out we finally get a clearer picture of the like the kind of house style of Ryan Johnson mm -hmm. and I was like fuck if there aren't three more different movies that exist in the world than Brick The Last Jedi and Knives Out and those are the only three of his movies I've seen because he hasn't really made that many yet mm -hmm. and I've seen like his couple of episodes of Breaking Bad like I I'm really at a loss to tell you the things that are in common between all of those things there there's a, a handful there's like very important visual cues like the the background in a lot of situations is important there's always a there they, i feel like there's usually some some little story that's going on like some closed loop that's in there that you can follow along uh in this store in this movie it's the baseball we'll get to that later uh, in yeah, I really want to hear your thoughts on that. Actually, okay, uh, the, the baseball specifically. It's great. I really love that. So anyway, there's that, and then there's also the dialogue. It's just so on point. Like I just I love every delivery, every little thing. One of one of the lines it was in the trailer. Like you were, oh yeah, I read a what is it? I read a tweet about an article about you. <laughs> like it's just it's yeah, just yeah, such yeah. a silly little thing. It just it's so perfect though. Well, that's the one thing. 
that's the one thing I can pick out as a common factor between all of his movies is the importance of language. Sure. Um, and not that the language of each of them are the same, but that internal to each of them, language is super important to Ryan Johnson. Um, and I actually thought there was some a line that Jamie Lee Curtis delivered in this movie that was actually meta both for the movie and for his movies. And it was, she said, um, we had our own secret language between each yep. We had all these little games. And that is a good descriptor of so much of what's going on with this movie and all of his movies in general. Brick is an exercise in language. Um, frustrating as it was for me to watch. Mm. Um, and I find it funny. One of the big complaints I saw from certain people about episode eight, one of the few complaints that I was willing to engage with because it was from a, it, there was a real conversation to be had about it. There wasn't, there isn't a right or wrong to it. I guess I'll say, I don't feel like I'm right. And those people are wrong. Um, in, in this one, as with so many of the complaints I saw about that seen about that movie, um, that the script and the, like from the perspective of dialogue, that scripted dialogue in the last Jedi fell f- short of so many of the other ones. I was like, first of all, like, have you seen the lines about sand? Like, come on. Um, but if you want to say it fell short of the language of the original trilogy, fine. If you want to say it fell short of the dialogue in episode seven or rogue one, fine. I don't, for as much as I think that Ryan Johnson was such a great fit for so many of the things visually and thematically that he did in episode eight, I do think he wasn't a great fit for the dialogue Mm. in episode eight, that maybe his interest in language wasn't a good fit. Not that his interest wasn't, but that his specific attempt to bring language uh, of his own writing to episode eight maybe wasn't a great fit for Star Wars or that it's jarring to the viewer in a way that it doesn't feel like so much of it was cohesive, coherent between other ones. Cause like Lawrence Kasdan like co-wrote or wrote outright so many of the movies. I'm sure he consulted on the prequels, even if he doesn't have a writing correct credit, he wrote five and six. Um, he wrote uh, rogue one, I think. And he definitely wrote solo. So like, Lawrence Kasdan's voice is in so many of the Star Wars movies uh, that to have Ryan Johnson solely write that one movie is going to be jarring to the viewer. And there were certain things I noticed when I was watching it, not in a negative way, just that I noticed it in a different yeah, way. Absolutely. There were so many things in eight that were different than I was used yep. to in Star Wars. So with the opening scene where the, the one Imperial officer says to the, to the uh, Admiral or uh, whatever his name was. Yeah, it was Captain Kennedy or whoever it was, who was piloting the Dreadnought. He says, I believe he's tooling with yeah. you, sir. That's not a Star Wars Absolutely phrase. not. It was a great line. I laughed at it. But it is jarring for someone who's used to the language of Star Wars being different than the language of our everyday life. So I find... That's the one thing I've noticed is that language is so important. I didn't find it to be inferior in 8, but it was so very different. And in this case, um, it's a better fit, his interest in language, because there were so many little things that I want to get into more once we get post-spoilers, because it gets into specifics of certain characters. That was one of the things that I did pick on. I was like, oh, this is really cool. I like this. I enjoy this. the movie. And it's one of the few things I could tie to his other work that I can think of. So I love love everything you just said. Uh, I will. Oh, nice. I will say, you screwed up 
three times though in that we're in the star wars universe and what you're speaking about you said jarring and you didn't say jar jarring i expected it at least once <laughs> but i got nothing was it uh, was it in my thoughts so a couple a few last minute things before we get into post spoilers uh the cast chemistry is amazing everybody yes. plays off each other so well uh chris evans is a tremendous douchebag in this movie like he he pulls it off with just it, it, I can't even explain. It's so it's he's so he does it so well. It's a throwback to his roles of like the late nineties and early two thousands. Right. Uh, Marta, such a great character, so innocent and pure, even though like is the center of a lot of what's going on. So innocent and pure for the most for the most part. Uh, she's got a she's she got learns a, a mean she learns when she needs to. Uh, and then uh, the last thing, drunk and or goofy Christopher Plummer is the most endearing thing about this movie. <laughs> that was pretty entertaining. There's a point where he's just really goofy. And similar to Daniel Craig's performance, just having a damn good time making it. And yeah. and I don't care. Like, you got to give credit, I feel like, to the director at, at that point. Because like you're, I feel like they create an environment where you can have that fun. Yeah. Um, well, that's the idea, credit to right? the characters and the actors that are playing those characters but credit to the director for allowing that to happen and then ultimately making it into the movie that i mean that's what makes the collaboration between like will ferrell and john c Riley with adam mckay specifically so special right is he creates the environment for them to riff and have their fun which creates this magic where when those two guys work with a lesser director like in for instance that Sherlock Holmes movie that they were in um it doesn't <laughs> it was work it was still funny way. it just wasn't no it wasn't an Adam McKay movie uh okay from this point on we're gonna be talking spoilers so if you haven't seen the movie pause go see it and come back because if you listen to the show this movie's for you that's all that's all there is to it. <laughs> I, I I have a I want to have a quick note because for now this is the last time I plan on talking about Star Wars mm. for this episode sure. Good say. When, <laughs> when, well, because it is natural for us to talk about Ryan Johnson. Like sure. It's, it's going to come back to that for certain reasons, right? Um, there was the one specific line after that car chase <laughs> when, when I don't even remember the, it was a lieutenant, uh, lieutenant, whatever, I can't remember his name, Lakeith Stanfield, his character, yeah. says, This was the dumbest <laughs> car chase ever. And I was like, I, I was, I started cracking up, and John was like, "What?" And I was like, "So you didn't see the Last Jedi?" And this is like, absolutely meta, poking fun at himself, yeah. which like, like, it, the movie isn't perfect. For as much as we love it, that movie wasn't absolutely perfect. And <laughs> I remember watching the movie and being done with it. I was like, that was one of the dumbest chase scenes ever. Like, that's a valid criticism of all of that and I, I it's not necessarily a problem because it does fit with an old sure. story or whatever right but in the end it was really a dumb chase right and that while it was happening it was like this is the, the worst stupidest car chase ever and like think about like the truck like trying to come around and chase her and like one pallet fell in front of her, right. like the truck and like he couldn't get over it. it was like this is really dumb and then he says it and i was like oh he's just having a laugh at himself yep. and like good for him and everyone should be able to appreciate him being able to laugh at himself with all that hell. There's a whole sub story about, you know, the alt right, you know, Twitter Nazi son yep. who was like 
99% of the people who were blasting him online for the last two Absolutely. years. You know what I mean? Like I, The fact that so there wasn't the really- some line about Last Jedi, it like would have like it, they would have been able to pepper it in. And yeah, that's like, that, that was, was it, basically. Way. Like it's so funny because it absolutely worked for a laugh on its own yes. on the surface in the movie. And then to say that right after the chase is, is the stupidest car chase. I was like, oh, good for you, man. That was that was well done. So we're in spo- we're in post spoiler territory right now. Uh, anything going forward, like it's it's on you. <laughs> uh, this whole movie is a sp- spoiler. It, you have to it's, unravel all, it's the spoiler I mean, all the spider webs. So uh, where do you want to get started? Because I feel like there's so much to talk about. Uh, I don't really know where to begin. The thing is, this movie I don't think will fit well with doing like a, a like a, this happened progressing next, through. So, do you want to? Um, should we circle back to the thing that I mentioned before about the uh, about the baseball? Yes. All right. Cool. So, here's what I love about this. Did you follow? Did you follow the trajectory of the baseball throughout the movie? No. Okay. Not exactly. The only reason that I thought to follow it was because the first time you see it, it's dead center frame. I feel like when he picks it up. Right before he throws it out the window, so Richard is cheating on his wife. We get the we get the, uh, the I, oh this is one other thing that I loved about the movie the when he's talking to the detectives I love that they gave you the this is how he's gonna tell the detectives what happened and they were gonna show you exact instead of doing the movie thing where they replay that thing that he just said they went back and they showed you how it happened which I thought was really clever yeah. I really enjoyed that so. Richard is being, uh, not blackmailed, he's being coerced into telling the truth to his wife that he's been cheating on her. And yeah. uh, 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 Christopher Plummer's character, uh, Thornby Harlan, Harlan uh, he, he has a letter with uh, L, the letter L inscripted on the front of it. It's, it's to Linda, right? That's her name? Linda. Yes. Uh, he's going to give it to Linda. He's like, I'm going to explain. He's like, if you don't tell her, I will. Uh, and that's the, and it, it's about this. It's about this affair. Uh, Richard goes into that room uh, post the death. I, I think it's post the death, right? And he, yeah. And it he, was it was when they all reconvened a week later, the, he, like the beginning of the real story proper. Yeah, so he, he's got, he, he rips open the letter and sees that the letter is empty and uh, there's nothing in it. It's just a piece of paper and he throws it on the table and he picks up the, uh, the baseball and he tosses it a few times and he throws it out the window. And I was like, that was weird. I'm going to hold on to this, right? Like there's, why did he throw that out the window? Also, they showed it the, go out the, the window. The problem is, there was so many things to hold on Absolutely. to that like, I made the same note and I kept, because I kept getting thrown and I kept waiting for it to pay off. Yeah. And I felt like it was the only thing in the movie that did. It, it pays off in a very subtle way and it's great. So here's what happens. He throws the ball out the window, which is great. It's just like, it's like a very silly thing because it looks so dramatic and there's no noise or anything that goes <laughs> along with it. Yeah, I was expecting to hear a glass. <laughs> right, right, right. It just, right. Like, it just like lands on the lawn. Yeah. And and what's his name? Um, Blanc picks it, scoops it yeah. up, picks it up. Benoit Blanc picks it up without breaking stride and just looks at it in pocket. Yes, it, right? exactly. So now Benoit Blanc has the has the baseball. Uh, in a future scene, the dog comes up to him with a piece of the of the uh, the the lattice for the climbing up the what is that thing called? Is it a lattice a trellis? Uh, and he drops it. Well, the the best part about that whole thing was like. And that got into like the series of movie where like I was like, are they gonna just unravel this in like a completely c- comedic way? Because it got super like slapstick there. Yeah. Where it's like she's got the she breaks the VCR and then she's wiping the, the, foot- the What about the footprints? The, the footprints was my favorite part. 
Well, that, that's the next so one. Good. I was doing those in order. She starts stepping in. The, Sorry, I can't hear you. Just stay where you are. Sorry, what? As she keeps walking through the footprints, and I'm like, it's like, oh my god. And they're gonna do this whole thing, and then it's like, oh, we have to just walk past. It. Oh, I guess what, whatever. And then, and then. The dog brings her the piece of the, yeah. <laughs> the chalice and she picks it up and she throws it. And I was like, oh no. And so then, you know, 10 minutes later, they're out back and the dog comes running back. And I was like, oh God, it's going to have the chalice again. And it does. Yep. And it hands it to him and then he throws well, the baseball and, again. Okay. And so, yeah. So, following with the baseball. So, he, the dog's nipping at the baseball because he has it in his hand. He's kind of playing with it at that point. He then throws the baseball and, and spots the chalice and he. In that moment, he forgets completely about the baseball, and so do we. So he picks it up, and then the, the story progresses. Progresses. The, the dog then brings the baseball into the house, and he's kind of chewing on it, and he's sitting with Linda, and Linda takes the baseball. Eventually... That was dur- during the... Was it during the reading of yes. the will? Eventually, Linda, Linda knows where the baseball's from and brings it back to the office to find the letter. Ah, so like, that's the payoff. Okay. Basically, Richard gives himself up through this yes. absurd loop that plays through the whole movie that if you're not even if you're not paying attention it, it, it honestly it's completely throwaway but if you're if you're watching for it it's so good it's so entertaining it's such a silly little thing it's just like he if he's his own downfall he didn't decide to tell her i'm going to tell her and but he did tell her in his own little way <laughs> well that was kind of like a microcosm of the whole movie right everyone ends up being their own yeah. downfall to some extent or another I just think that that's su- it's such a a little thing to put in there and to really like I just like something like that where this thing with the dog and this baseball like and like the baseball moving throughout like it just seems so arbitrary in in watching it until it concludes. And I think that like it, if you miss it it doesn't matter. But if you watch it it's just a nice little thing. It's just a fun like it's just another layer that was it's another layer of the onion. See, it's funny it's funny cuz I was focused on the letter itself and when she picks up the blank letter I was like, "Oh my god, she's totally going to be able to figure Absolutely. it out." They have their little games, their secret language. But I just assumed she was going to know what like it being blank man or whatever and then she goes to light up the cigarette and I was like, "It's going to be invisible ink, isn't it?" Yes. And then she lights it in this invisible ink and I was like Yep, well, that perfect. was an, that, that was another thing earlier on when she's talking about the game. She shows some other. There's like other scenes of her like looking at like papers and stuff, and they have like uh, they have like scorch marks. See, I didn't notice the scorch marks, but I knew that every one of them had writing on it, and this one didn't. And I knew that she was going to understand the significance right. of that. Right. It, it's just it's just so well that whole that whole baseball loop is just so great to me. I think that's so funny. Like there was so many. There was a billion little cues to pick up on of this thing is going to happen next or this is going to point to something that's going to be deeper than what it is or this is going to point to something that's not what you see and i i feel like i guessed like 70 percent of sure. them but i didn't guess 30 percent of them and those reveals ended up or it took me a longer like i assumed it was going to be one thing and then i figured it out later it's like oh shit i was wrong but this is going to be that instead yep. like, so it made it fun it felt like i was well, like playing with yeah i i I liked also like there were certain ones that i when when i think like things were said with a like they were delivered in a way that they felt important whether or not they revealed themselves right and one of the ones that felt important to me was really early on in the movie when uh when um 
Christopher Plummer's character says, I, I don't remember the exact quote, so forgive me, but he says in the long lines of like, stupid grandson couldn't tell the difference between a stage prop and a real knife. And I was like, oh, that's funny. What does that mean? And then later on, when he's coming at her with the knife, I'm like, I know what's happening. <laughs> and I was so excited well, that, to see it. In the, <laughs> in the moment, I was like, man, they're really going to wait this long to show, because they made such a big deal about these fucking yeah. knives, right? And, and Gianna, did, she beat me to it. She goes, ah, he said it when he goes, everyone's got their knives out towards her. Yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, but uh, when, when he grabs the knife, I was like, okay, is he going to stab her? Is he going to stab Benoit? Is he going to stab the other guy? And it's going through, and like they land. And I was like, oh, that hilt is very clearly up against her chest. The prop yeah. knives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, so good. The uh, the other one that I I was kind of holding on to, they focused on that mug that said "My house, my rules, my something." I don't remember what else. It was my house, my rules, my, my coffee. coffee. And I was like, but the way they focused on that mug, I thought that was going to come into play again. And the way that it subtly comes into play at the very end of the movie is is tremendous. Her when when they when they're showing the family, I'm like. And she's she's standing out there. I was like, oh, this is great. Because I didn't actually, I didn't know if they were going to show the rest of the mug. But the significance of her holding the mug, even though she was covering the words on it, was was there. But then when they yes. when they cut back to her and she has just the My House piece showing, I was just like, masterpiece. <laughs> the attention to detail in this movie is really incredible. With so many of these little threads... All of the little threads paid off to some degree or other. The only one I couldn't account for was the baseball one. Exactly. And you filled in that last gap for me. Because there were so many other things. It was like, that's going to be important to some degree or other. And it was. Or that's going to inform yep. this. Or that closes that loop. Or whatever. Like, something as stupid as them playing Go. And him saying, oh, I dropped the Go board. Then the shows them playing Go. And she beats him. Then he throws the Go board. But that's not what makes yep. the sound. But then another sound happens, and he uses it as an alibi when the daughter-in-law comes up. And then they go up into the the room later, and Benoit throws the board on the ground, and it doesn't make enough of a sound. And then she talks about it with Ransom, and he makes note of the fact that Harlan claims that Marta is better at going yeah. than Ransom is. And then... At the end, that's a cue to him that he knows that he has to get rid of her because she's the one who's going to be the all important. With the, the, the by turning it back on her is the only way. Like, and that in the end of all of that, she outsmarts him. That it became a metatextual thing that Go became the game yep. that they were playing in real life over life and death and who gets the will. One of my so there's a lot of character depth. Um, it, everybody's got something going on and then something on a deeper level and well I, well I say, there were some characters who get a lot of depth but everyone gets I, their one yeah thing. one of the things i loved about uh, uh benoit blanc was i love that i love the reveal that he knew she knew what happened the whole time what so oh, with the yeah. blood on the shoe like how long did you know it's like uh, from the moment that i saw you and he points at her shoe and which is the, when they reveal the blood on her shoe as an audience member, you start to go, "Oh no!" Like how? Like this is gonna, you know, it's all gonna come crashing down. Well, because they show it to you when she first goes home. Yeah. And my thought was, he says eight o'clock tomorrow. I was like, and they show you the blood right before she goes to bed that night. And I'm like, can you please wear other? Shoes? Right. Because <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna come back to bite right. you. Right. But then I he he consist he consistently says something about her like, 
what, her honesty. She he says something, I can't remember the line, but he said her your good heart. heart, and it's just like he knows that she was there, but he's not. He's never nervous around her. He's never concerned. He knows that he just knows her. She's innocent. Yeah, to some de- well, I mean, in some capacity, and, and it can you can even look at it cynically going back until they read the will. She doesn't have right. She has no motive. Any motive? Yeah. Everyone else has some motive, and um, the I gotta find it because we've gotten like everyone else's name. I keep forgetting the character's name. Uh, Lieutenant Elliot. Elliot. That's right. Um, Elliot keeps saying weak or weak sauce. Yeah, weak yeah. Sauce. That's a weak alibi. That's not, and and Benoit knows it's not true, but he knows that everyone has some motive. So while he hasn't ruled out anyone, he feels like he can rule out her because she has no motive. Mm-hmm. It's like it's, it's a funny thing. Me and Dominic were just watching. Um, did you ever see the movie The Negotiator? Oh yeah, I saw it once, like several years ago, and I, like I remembered the big picture, or whatever. But I, I hadn't seen it in a while. We just we just on. I just put it on because there was nothing for us to watch, and he got engaged in it. So we watched the whole thing, and there's that whole thing right where he pulls in Sabian, the the Kevin Spacey's character, because everyone has the potential to be involved except him. Right. It's the same thing with her. Everyone has a motive. You could say his motive is more worthy than her motive, and her motive's not enough to cause murder and all this and that. The one person who's most likely to have been there for multiple reasons, including the physical evidence of the blood on her shoe is the only person who makes zero sense to her to have right which is an interesting duality to have to balance between for that character yeah oh man Ah, this movie uh so speaking of like like little things that they they would pepper in like if you're paying attention that's what you know what i love about the movie those little things, they're add-ons. They're, they're, they, they make it so much more entertaining if you pick up on them. But if you miss a few, because I'm sure I've missed a bunch watching it, uh, it doesn't degrade the experience at all. So, like, one of the ones that really got me was when they were, when um, Chris Evans' character was, uh, what's his name? Uh, when Ransom, Ran- when Ransom. Ran- which is just so ridiculous. When Ransom was in the, like, the diner pub with Marta and... Or he's like, can we get an extra bowl? I was like, this is hysterical. Like, I know you, I you heard, know where it's going. I see. I didn't at first. I was like, I knew like it was gonna. Matter. Yeah, yeah. Like, it wasn't <laughs> clicking for me. But the funny thing was, he goes, I just, I know that you've eaten a bunch of sausage and beans, and I know you're gonna tell me everything. And I'm looking at his white cable knit sweater. I was like, you do realize you're gonna ruin your own sweater, right? And then he slides the bowl in front of her. I was like, ah, yeah. So the funny thing being, ultimately. Yep. The movie hinges on her throwing up on him. He's just not wearing the sweater. When that phone call happens at the end, I was like, "Oh my god, she's gonna lie right now, and she's gonna like puke on his face." And then she, then within minutes, she lies and pukes in his mouth. (laughs) See, I didn't at first figure that out, but then he like says he goes "Um, murder for murdering Fred. Oh wait, no, is it attempted murder? I'll be right out of it. I was like. Oh, she's actually going to be dead and she's going to throw up, isn't she? <laughs> like, I got it, like, yep. a little later in the yep. scene, but, like, everyone had to see it That was coming and, like, oh. You know what's an- yeah. another great thing? Just to show how, how douchey the cast, like, the, the cast of characters is, that they don't know where Marta's actually from. See, I thought at first, because there's a thing, if you noticed... When each of them is telling their story about the night before, when the grandfather's still alive, when Harlan's still alive. Yeah. Right? 
every time they showed three or four times, uh, or there was a couple of times, I forget how many, um, them bringing the cake out. And each person is telling the story. That person and their family is yep. the ones at and behind his shoulders. So it's showing you that all of them are telling versions of yep. the truth, right? Another clever so, setup, that whole... Yes, which is actually, I think, a funny thing where it's supposed to be a trapping of the conventions of a classic who yeah. done it, which ultimately they cast off because we don't need it. It's just their vanity, yeah. right? Because you think each of the... Like, and that was where I got very heavy, especially at the moment... Um, Orient Express vibes because I thought it was going to be a they all had something to do with sure. the situation so I was figuring that's what like oh yeah we then they had cake and we were all standing around him but each person put themselves standing behind them because you know but no it was just the vanity of oh I was the closest one to Harlan no I was the closest thing but so but in those same sequences was when each of them named a different country for her so I wondered because so early on it's before we find out that she's the one who accidentally... Well, actually, in the end, she didn't kill him, right? Um, before we find that whole like crux of the movie that it's all hanging on, I wondered if that was all going to be an indication that she was lying to all of them. Mm. Like, she told him... Your oh, Europe, interesting. her Ecuador. She told them Brazil. You know well, what I mean? The other thing I thought was going to come back up was, uh, if you remember at the very beginning when she shows up to the house, Linda says... I thought you should be at the funeral. That I, I, I thought that was interesting. That see, that's one of those things that I didn't end up getting a payoff for, but I feel like I might have missed something. No, I don't think so. I think it just I think that was a, one of the few things that well, I think it was just to show you that none of them actually cared about it. I thought they were gonna do it a couple more times though, because then Walter says the same thing. Meg to her. cares. And I I leaned over to Gianna and I said, Oh, every one of them is gonna end up saying that to her at some point. And it's gonna be, well, if all of you wanted to be there and I wasn't yeah. you know I mean like I think it was a more of a show don't tell mm-hmm. where it was like leaning towards hey listen they keep telling you how close she is but none of them really care about her or at least not more than any of them cares about themselves mm-hmm. or even as much as there was clicks within the family right no, no one ever prioritizes the whole family over the outside forces right but you know this one protects their son and this one protects their daughter and this one protects their husband and this one protects their wife right like no one ever, there was never a groundswell of all of them protecting each other with the exception of an all for one or none at all situation where either we all get the money or she gets all of them. Right. Right, where it becomes them versus her. It's the only time. And it was only because their own selfishness had to prevail. If you don't get the money then I also don't get the money. There's no scenario in which I get it and my husband gets it, but you don't get it. You know what I mean? It was either they all get it or Marta gets it. There was no middle ground there. (laughs) What about the Slayer Law? Did you just Google that? Uh, Well, the the first thing was, she said, one of them says the one thing is, did you (laughs) Google that? And she goes, what about the Slayer Law? Yes, I did Google that. That was was tremendous. Because that's just such a real thing, right? Where you are... Where there's a person who is like, who understand, who knows how this works, and then the person that has access to the internet that thinks they have the thing that you didn't think of. See, I was a little unsure about that at first because at first it seems like he's doing a Barry Zuckercorn, <laughs> where like, what did I miss? What, what did you miss? You, you're the lawyer. <laughs> well, because he keeps like fumbling. And then she's pointing out the things to him. So I thought it was like, oh, God, he's going to be the worst fucking attorney, right? 
And then after that, he's like, no, like he's on top of the legalities here. He's just kind of I doesn't is not on the same wavelength. Delivering all that message she, she and goes, then holding off and then pause and then everything goes down and then they circle back to him to say that the house also goes. <laughs> to yeah, such a great. That's what I'm saying. Thing. Like I thought it was a Barry Zucker yeah, yeah, thing. Slash slash the doctor in Arrested Development who keeps giving them like half the story right. and they you know they're like, he's all right. He's missing his left hand. You said he was all right. Yes, he's he is all, all right. right. <laughs> we, we lost him. Oh, my God. He said, no, no, he's not dead. He escaped. We just we can't find him. We lost, we lost him. <laughs> um, but then the funny thing was, like, later on, like, he, he like, you know, what about this? Yeah, no, that doesn't apply here. What about the Slayer law? Yeah, it doesn't apply. She's not, like, it's a suicide. Yeah. So, whatever. Um, but then he, what, uh, was it Ransom or was it Linda? One of them goes, well, you're fucking useless. He goes, Thank God. Yeah. He goes to get up and leave. <laughs> I think it was Richard. Uh, the best part about that was, I love, I, I don't know why, I love that it all worked out that Ryan Johnson got Frank Oz to come back for The Last Jedi. And then, I guess they must have struck up some friendship where I need to have Frank Oz in my movie now. Um, I, and it was great because I leaned over to Gianna and said, do you know who that is? She goes, no. It's like, that's Frank Oz. She's like, no. <laughs> I was like, you know, he's done some like writing, some directing, He's acting. A lot of stuff with puppets. She goes, oh. Specifically, you. <laughs> She's like, oh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you never would have guessed based on looking at him and listening to him talk that that was Yoda, right? She goes, no. That's fine. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so, yeah, well, the, no one knows. I, I didn't. I, I understand where you're coming from where, like, oh, is this, like, a thing, like, where they where she lied to them about where she came from. But then it becomes very clear when they're having their political conversation in like the study or whatever room they're in. It was just like, oh God, this is about to get so awful. (laughs) Well, yes, it became obvious. It's so funny. No, she didn't lie to them. It's, oh, none of them have paid close enough attention. Yeah. To know. So there's a couple of... uh, Which also, by the way, we never got the answer, did we? I I do think you find out very early on. I think either she says it or Meg says it. Either way, Meg would have the right information about Marta. Which is funny because all of them were shitty, yeah. right? And then at the end, she says to Benoit, um, I feel bad for all of them. I feel like I should help them. What do you think I should do? He goes, I have, I have my own opinions on all of that, but I'm not going to share it with you. I'm sure you'll just follow your heart. And... And me and John in that moment were doing like the math, and it was like, "Well, I feel like she could help Meg. Yeah, like she Meg will help Meg. wasn't wasn't great, but like she was distinctly the least worst of all of them. Meg made a mistake because of the pressure of her family, but otherwise, well, she was an actually she, she good a, person. It seemed like she made a panic mistake, but was never actively seeking to hurt her or anyone else. Whereas everyone else was trying to hurt someone or fuck someone right. over or get one over on right. someone. Uh. So I've got a couple of lines written down here that I thought were just tremendous. Uh, So first are, uh, well, obviously there was the Nazi one that I used in the intro, but the first one I have here are uh, dogs are the best judge of character. That was another thing that was going to be like a a subtle nod. uh, Well, that that was how I knew Ransom was going to be involved in the end because... Well, not just the dogs barking, but there was one specific thing when they were... He said, read back... He talked to Lieutenant Lee. He said, read back to me all the things. He says, just talking about the creaky stairs and her not being able to sleep. And she says, and then the dogs are barking at three in the morning. And then they just leave that one alone because they gave 
remember they gave explanation for all yep. of it, right? It was, oh, the first person walked upstairs, and then this person walked downstairs, and then this person was upstairs, and then this person, this thing fell, and all that stuff. The dogs were barking at 3 a.m. And then the first time we see Ransom, the dogs start barking at him, but that's five minutes after the dogs saw Marta, and they didn't bark at mm. her. And I was like, oh, so Ransom clearly was sneaking around at some yep. point. I'm just curious to see how how it all comes like, down. What role he played, like you know what I mean. But I knew that you know he was always a red herring. Um, to get my clue broke, reference in here, um, <laughs> communism was always a red herring. Her was always a red herring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so the other thing, a couple of things here. So, oh, this is a simple aside that's just in the middle of these notes of quotes. But uh, Trooper Wagner, these notes of quotes, notes quote, yeah. Yeah, Trooper, Trooper Wagner is the audience, which is just amazing. The funny, the, uh, another aside about your aside, uh, when he's first on screen and he's like standing a little bit in the background, <clears throat> uh, the theater that we were in was a little weird. It's like very narrow and very long. So I was f- like sitting physically very far away from the screen and I couldn't like quite make out his face. I heard his voice, and I thought it was Pete Holmes. Yeah. And I got really excited. <laughs> I love that, man. Uh, another great line. What is the CSI KFC? That was yes, <laughs> tremendous. Um, he goes, when you got your whole foghorn, leghorn, something else. Like, he made some other reference. Like, he said, like, or maybe he just said your your KFC foghorn, leghorn thing going on. You know, what exactly is going on So here? the other thing was the quote that I used in the intro to intro Al, uh, the actual context of it, when he, when uh, Benoit says it, it's just so, it's so throwaway that is what makes it so funny. Is he, oh, what did the Nazi masturbating in the bathroom say? Like the way that he, the yes. way that he just throws that out there, it was just so funny. Um, I also, I like that whole, progression to oh our son has very political feelings and then it's like oh yeah he's like an alt-right like nazi like troll and then it's yeah no, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh a will reading is like a community theater production of a tax return <laughs> yeah that was, good that was good um and then the lawyer saying, did you just Google that? It was pretty great. This one's a, is kind of a quote. The grandmother laughing and breaking the tension in that scene is amazing. That, so they're all, they're all in the room together. And I think, they, I think it's they find out that Marta's going to... I don't know if it's the one way. They find out Marta's going to get the money. It might, it might be after that. But they, information is delivered that is serious. And the grandmother goes... <laughs> And she hasn't like really made a noise the whole movie except for grandson. Are you back already? <laughs> Which is again super early and telling, but you don't know what the concept, like what the like what's going on to provoke that. But yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, like the you know, oh ransom, are you leaving? And it's oh ransom, are you back again already? And I, I didn't quite like. I knew it was gonna pay off where she was going to end up ratting on Ransom. I just didn't get right. the idea that, oh, you're back. Uh, get, oh, and there's yeah. your Ryan Johnson importance of words thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. This movie is so much fun. And so much of it was, like, because there's so many, how many, like, this is meant to be an updated version of, like, the ensemble thing, right? Where it's like, you know, oh, this isn't your grandfather. Like, it, it was similar to Clue or Murder or Express or anything with, like, a big ensemble where... Everyone has their role to fill, not just in the movie, but in, like, 
the archetypes of the type of people you run into, mm-hmm. right? And it's the very 2019 version. It's not just some, you know, asshole kid. It's no, he's a Twitter Nazi, yeah, yeah. right? Like it's not just it's for the times. Some girl in college. It's she's an SJW like feminazi, whatever. You know what I mean? Like you know, it's not just you know. There was some of these kids were meant to be kind of Trump kids, like literally his children, like allegorically. Yeah. Um, there was the Tony Collette character uh, was I, I assume was they were making fun of Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, there was. Uh, I mean, the, the whole situation situation with Marta is, you know, loaded as well. And then that whole conversation, so very on the nose, disturbing how I... Not only have I heard conversations like that, but I think verbatim I've heard that exact conversation. <laughs> like, to 95% degree of accuracy of the exact same... Yeah. Like, in the exact same order. <sighs> um, it's like, oh shit, this is... T- today. Today, man. <laughs> it's... Um, the uh, the only other what, what what was the name of the company that she had? Who the 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 daughter in law Tony Collette? Oh, oh crap! I don't remember the name of it. I can't remember. It was something with a G, and that's why I doubly the, thought it was yeah. supposed to be yeah. Because what's it? Yep. Was that the mm-hmm. name of her fucking shit? Like you know, like it is. Oh, uh, and also like the even the line that she said. It's about self empowered people, or it's, it's about uh. No, it's a it, oh self it was self-sufficient people understanding the need for others or something like that or the need for the help of others yeah. or something like that it's like oh god do you hear yourself the uh, the only other quote that i had written down was uh uh lieutenant elliot's quote this guy pretty much lives on a clue board which is perfect yes perfect. yes um uh the other thing was um it was like <laughs> <laughs> the importance of language, but it also ended up doubling for the slapstick nature of some of the aspects of this movie. When Fran was OD, it was ODing on the morphine, and she goes, "It was oh, you." Oh my god, it's so good. She wasn't <laughs> it saying out. it was you. She was saying it was it you. was you <laughs> because he makes the servants call him that that asshole. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, that's well, that's what it was, yeah. Uh, it's ransom. Only the help calls me Hugh. It, it's another. It's like it seems like a throwaway line. Like, oh, this guy's a douchebag. No, it was literally the key to the whole thing. Also, was his her name saying is ransom. Hugh. Like, <laughs> yeah, Hugh Ransom Drysdale. What the fuck? Oh my god, man, I I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I just had such a blast watching. It was just so entertaining through and through. It's incredible how they were able to create this coherent thing when it alternates so wildly and so quickly between being like i said this like serious like razor sharp like thing whether it be a razor sharp allegory or like just like this tightly paced like written like dialogue between characters like the repartee between them and then it jumps to the slapstick nature of like it was you you know what i mean like and then it jumps back to being this like whip smart thing they're talking about like whether it be political or social issues allegorically or just directly on the nose you know what i mean like jumping between all of these things and it never felt like i got whiplash yeah. from all of that you know what i mean like it never felt out of place no, no it, was, it was all it, it's all very it's like woven very nicely together uh it's just it's so fun i all i want to do is i want to so it even has the the murder mystery exposition scene with Benoit Blanc. And even yes. that is just so exciting. Also, 
Every time someone says Benoit Blanc, I keep thinking of an archer with Benoit balls. Yeah, of course. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's like on top of that, like he has that exposition, but it's also uh, the just like. Oh, I, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Oh, sorry. Going back to he had his he has that exposition, but going back to the donut, his whole donut soliloquy, and he he brings it back to that when he's doing the exposition, like he's like explaining his thought process and. That made me chuckle so much because I circled back to him starting to think that out loud in the car with Marta and how that became such a prominent thing later on. <laughs> yeah, I remember when he was first doing it, I was like, okay, like he's doing like the thing where he's trying, like he's he's reaching, he's grasping, and it's like, okay, no, now it's turning into a joke. And then they bring the joke back and then they deepen it like they go fully down the donut, I mean the rabbit hole. Nice. Um like but, I, I didn't expect to hear them joking about. What was funny to me is like it, it reminds me of the scene where he's in the car and he's listening to the music and Marta's inside, uh, and it almost reminds me of uh, of Boondock Saints when Willem Dafoe's character it has the music on and he's figuring the thing <laughs> out, but then but then the ambulance pulls up and he's like, oh shit. <laughs> so I'm saying like there's so many like. Things that would have felt like non sequiturs yeah. because they like don't fit with the movie, but somehow they all fit uh, together perfectly. So good. I mean, I I don't have anything else to say. This is, movie is tremendous. It's it's one of the best of the year. Yes, it, I mean it has. It's a lot better than it really has any Absolutely. right to be. Um, it's performed really well. Most of it is. I mean, that no one gets too. There's a couple of scenes where it's like a, you get a real quick second or ten of you know someone acting mm-hmm. right. You know what I mean? But it's a lot of people having fun. There was some super campy stuff with like you know, Daniel Craig, with Chris Evans, with Christopher Plummer, like just like leaning Absolutely. into the thing. Um, it was funny. Very early on in his time, when he's trying to play the good guy, when Ransom saves her and brings her to the thing, and he's sitting in the thing, and he's wearing the cable knit sweater, and he's a little bit effusive. I actually thought he was like a much more grounded version, especially at this early on, like from what we're seeing. Oh, he's never worked and he, you know, he's a trust fund kid and he's got all like the, the old car and he's got the nice clothes and he's a, the, something, someone's made a reference to him and his fashion yeah. and all that. And I was getting some David, uh, David, um, Rose yeah. vibes, <laughs> but like much less, you know, flamboyant, obviously, mm-hmm. but there was like I was getting some like David Rose vibes, and I probably wouldn't have if I didn't just watch sure. Shit's Creek in the last few months. Uh, that's that's kind of funny. I got to see we we went to see the cast of Shit's Creek live, and it was hysterical. They were really funny. Oh, it was cool. a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, Knives Out. Obviously, if you've if you've gotten the, it's you know, I'd be curious to see the subsect of listeners that have gotten this far without seeing the movie. Oh. And uh, I encourage you to write in <laughs> because I'm I'm just I want to know who you are, Brian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in the Six at spintune.com or tweet us at the Spintune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. Al, eat shit. Thanks for coming out. <laughs>
I'm so glad you finally saw the third episode. Uh, I I did a good job of of, of completely concealing what's going to happen, right? Like it's not. I didn't give away any John Wick vibes. <laughs> yeah, no, because I was I was I, I was funny. I, I would have just assumed you would have said that because it's not really that spoilery. I just didn't want because it the way that it happens in that third episode, the way that like it all goes down and it becomes this crazy gunfight, like. It, I wouldn't want to hint towards that because I wouldn't want because you don't realize how intense it's about to get, and yeah. I feel like that adds to the experience. And, but it was so it was so good. Also, it was very well done. It was like it was like tense and frenetic inside, and then it's you know these overwhelming odds. But really, I got that super like John Wick feel. Not even from the fighting. It was when he's trying to leave, and all of the fobs start yeah. going off. And then he starts looking yep. around, and there's someone down down the street. Ah, so good. The crowd and heads are turning, and it reminded me of yes. John Wick when he's on the, the the run, and everyone is looking at him. Uh, that was really the, what got me, despite all of the other action. There are three too. things that happen in that final sequence that are just just a plus. One is that is the fobs all going off. Two is shooting Carl Weathers in the in the metal. Because you know that's what happened when he gets shot. You know that. Because they showed you very clearly he was putting the steel in his pocket right there where he shot him. So that was great. And then the third thing is him just unscrewing the ball and giving it to Baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Which I said. I mean, that's joking a joke. Yeah, but, but all right. So tell me what you think about that third episode, though. Because it did seem, uh, like I said, a little early on, it feels a little slow to get going. Uh, and you know, yeah, You know what? You under sold that and that where you said oh it's like really slow for a while they get into him stalking the den and getting ready to get like pretty early on but even that like the quote-unquote slow stuff early on there's movement there's story there's interaction there's dialogue there's character development there's a lot going on i feel like it means more after the fact i don't know to a certain i mean like when i was watching it was like oh yeah like we're finally getting some answers maybe not a lot of them maybe not the big ones but we're getting stuff we get to see him interact the importance of how many people were sent after baby yoda. Mm. there was him i can't wait till we can stop calling him baby yoda i know i i would love to call him anything else except there's just literally nothing better yeah. to call him um you know there's him talking to grief grief being you know effusive in his praise you know advertising to everyone that this is my friend and he gets the best right. of whatever he wants and whatever i want and you know it's I wondered. I wondered if if Mando was gonna is gonna make a point of it then that he's got Biscar. I wondered if he was like, "I'll give you like I'll give you anything. Ever give me that Biscar. Like you don't get to have that because we know how important it is for that to be returned to the Mandalorians, right?" right? Um, I want. It's a big question I have. Did he shoot grief to kill? Because it was so perfectly placed a shot. He knew that he had the Biscar. He had put it there. Did he shoot him there on purpose because he didn't want to kill Grief, but understood why it was that he was acting this way? Or did Grief just get lucky? I feel like luck shouldn't play into this in this part. I feel like it's the former. I say both characters probably have to know that it was intentionally done. Does Grief put down his guns in this regard knowing that he could have ended him there and he he chose not to? I'd like to think so. Um, I do think that it's a it is an intentional uh, who shot first setup. 
Um, except that I don't think that they're gonna go back and redoctor it where he shoots him and he dies. Like that's. <laughs> well, I <would> assume that. <laughs> um, I like that they gave us a, a bit more, although it was very frustrating because they didn't give us very much more, and they gave us much more in the episode four, right, of the Mandalorian culture, the important uh, importance of not just the armor, but that you cannot remove the helmet. I'm confused by this because I've seen Mandalorians remove their helmets before in the Clone Wars and in Rebels, right. so I wonder what that's all about. Yeah. Um, is this something they adopted after the Purge? Because this, I don't think, is a historical thing of theirs. Um, are they only allowed to remove their helmets this along is the way, alongside Al. other Mandalorians? This is the way. Uh, the- <laughs> uh, it added, we, got, we got another great line. We have, I have spoken and now we have, it yeah. is the way. I said to, to, to my brother Dominic, you know, it's, um, this is going to go up alongside of and maybe supplant um, the greater good. You remember from, from Hot Fuzz? Yeah. <laughs> the greater good because we do that around here as a joke every once in a while and it is the way it feels like it could overlap with that pretty substantially <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure uh, okay so that being said that was that was three that was last week this week was four uh, we, we got I mean uh, jumping right into it that ATSC that was the, like, the first time that like, you had brought this up in a, in a chat with me er, earlier this week that's like you get like the real gravity of an ATSC like it's scary yes. and it's Dangerous, and it's. I've never been afraid of an ATST. No, because you could just ATAT. Sure, ATST is like yeah. Chicken Walker. We're gonna find a way to deal with it. Like yeah, like some random scrub is gonna get lit up by it. But like, I got the heroes. In JFO, it's the easiest thing to kill. Yeah, I didn't struggle with it at all. I don't even get a hit (laughs) on me when I'm attacking it. Uh, But in this situation, the red eyes though, that was clutch. Right, and and that was I think really the big. Bryce Dallas Howard inspiration because I thought about it in the moment and then I, I, everything that everyone that followed up writing about it was like oh yeah like said the same things heavy Jurassic Park yeah. vibes right like the way the camera is at a down angle showing you how much taller and intimidating it is the red eyes you know that kind of demonic otherworldly aspect of it as it's coming out of the forest towards you it's similar to the first time you saw a T-Rex yep show up, right? The thunk, thunk, thunk as it, you know, the fixed camera sits there and this thing approaches onto the screen and get that, that's that just like you said, that gravity of, oh, this thing is big and bad and I need to be worried about this shit. This is going to come in and fuck up my day big yeah. time. Uh, what also added to that was I it made it scary. I was terrified of it and then when it didn't step forward into the trap, I was like, "Come on, you're blowing it!" I was, I was so <laughs> mad, and I'm just, I'm just glad that in the end it eventually does step in, and we get that payoff of it collapsing. Uh, you don't, you wouldn't appreciate Chekhov's koi pond not paying that off. Really pissed me off. I, I was a little confused by that though, because did it not step into the pond originally, just because it was concerned about getting close to the village? Or did it identify the pond? Because if it identified the pond, why did it step later? I think yes. it's still a uh, the former because I it almost fe- here's one of those things with those ATSCs in every Star Wars video game. There's a point where you can get yourself close enough where instead of having to worry about the blasters, you need to worry about the feet. And yeah. uh, I feel like it itself knows that it can't really do enough effectively in its close proximity that it was trying to stay back a little bit to be at a more which. 
is the only way that this thing makes sense. <laughs> because if it really did recognize it, and then eventually goes to step into it, it didn't get angry. It's a pilot inside that that would have recognized it. I just hope that that's not the case. Yeah, it doesn't matter how many times you get shot in the face, like, you shouldn't then walk right. forward, like, find another solution. Right, right. Yeah, that, that, was, that was funny. Um, and it was, it was a good episode. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was some quick, exciting build-up. Uh, you can almost believe that the character thinks that he's going to be okay for a little bit, and then isn't. Well, I, I didn't get quite get it until after the fact, but, like, apparently they were just hanging out in that village for a couple of yeah. weeks after they win. Yeah. Like, I assumed it was, like, a day or two, you know? It was like, oh, no, they've, like, been here for a while. That's, that is, uncus- like, like not customary of all yep. of this. I was surprised how quickly they were just going to throw Cara Dune to the winds. I'm sure that won't be the last oh, no. of her, but I'm just surprised that they, like, I'm not sure how they're, how they're going to meet up again, you know what I mean? I imagine getting off the planet to some degree. Well, yes, but what I'm saying is, like, she's gone her own way. He's going. Yeah, like, what's going to bring them back together with his ship? You know what I mean? Like, he he's on the run. So how are they going to reconnect? You know what I liked? It was uh, uh, we we have a design language for this show, and that is the the blaster sound post a a very split second cutaway from where you think came from, and I like that. I like okay, so what's the implication? Right? So like what happened in the second was it the first episode or the second episode? Second episode. It's about the implication. It's about the implication. In the second episode when you hear the shot and then eventually the droid falls. No, it was the very last the first, episode. the first episode. And then in the in this episode you hear the shot and I was just like I first off, honestly, the way that they did it, I was like, Holy shit, they killed baby Yoda. <laughs> like I was like after the broth scene. They killed him? Like, that's, that is unacceptable. <laughs> well, two things. One, they're going to have to stop playing with our hearts. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, he's going to give up Baby Yoda. No, he's not. Oh, they're going to shoot Baby Yoda. No, they're not. No, you cut the shit. I, you know, what, you I know mean? what else What else I like about this whole Baby Yoda thing is they keep calling, they keep referring to Yoda as his child. And it dawns on me that nobody knows what he looks like under there. Maybe they think it's his child. <laughs> I suppose it's entirely plausible, <laughs> though unlikely. Yes. Um, but the second thing is, after the broth, we've reached a point of no, no Absolutely. return. Because I immediately, I immediately grasped the gravity of that, that scene. When it happened, I texted yeah. you and Brian later that night. I think it was later that night. It was the next day. Top five Star Wars yeah. moments. And I felt like it was hyperbole. I don't think it is. <laughs> It happened because on screen, and you just pointed at the screen and went, meme. Meme! Instant, basically, I, it happened. I was like, oh my god, this is going to be a whole-ass thing that happens now. And it took like two days, and it's now the biggest meme. And I said to Brian, I was like, oh, this is going to supplant the Kermit sipping tea thing. Not realizing the link he yeah. sent me, the, literally the subtitle was... Is this the new Kermit sipping tea thing? Him sipping the broth. It's so fucking perfect. It was great. For as great as the memes are, as great as the visual is, in the context of the actual scene, it's even better because it's this super tense scene that comes to a head and everything gets super quiet and you hear him sipping the broth before you see him. And I was like, oh my God, he came out and he's drinking the broth. (laughs) And there he is just (laughs) sipping his little broth watching it. It's and it's, it's like something out of like the night oh, yeah. right? where it's like, oh, buy him some bone broth. I'll be back. Watch the kid. And it's like, what the fuck? Yep. 
And then, like, they're just going to fight for five minutes. And then he's just out there sipping his little broth on his own. Like, what the fuck? I also, I, up, leading up to that, though, that, that intense, like, fight sequence with the uh, Smith and Neo gun to each other's head, even though they weren't empty, was pretty cool. And then, yeah, but then, yeah, just a... <laughs> was so good. <laughs> also, by the way, I didn't pick up on it at first when I first watched it, um, probably because it's been a while and also because I'm used to seeing it animated. How cool is that that there was a, a, a loaf yeah. cat in the bar? Um, you're watching Rebels now, so you I thought that, that that's, what, for some, early on, you had told me, like, to watch out for something uh, that's going to make me jump or something like that. And you were referring to the, the red eyes of the ATST. But yes. I said something that's absolutely early, horrifying. Early on, I thought you were being silly. And early on in the episode, I was like, is this what he was talking about? Because like, it dives, like, it, like, jumps out and, and, and meows or growls or whatever it is. No, I said, when you see it, yeah. you'll know it. <laughs> oh, man. This was a really it good was. episode. Um. It was an interesting diversion, but I'm a little concerned because we're running out of time. Because, like, we got some really good... I'm not good concerned. ...story. No, we got some really good story in 3 after not having much story in 1 and 2. And now this one really didn't have much story. We only have four more episodes left. Like, I want, I want something tangible, you know what I mean? Like, I want something... Like, we have... It's about this character, these characters. Fine, but, like... <coughs> sorry, eventually you have to be some thing that this is like working to in a big picture sense right, right? yeah well we'll, we'll get there I, I i'm certain of there i'm enjoying the ride for sure oh i'm still enjoying it it's still a really good fun episode i'm just i'm doing the math i'm like oh fuck we're running out of time for like the import of this series you know what i mean yeah like, why? I, the only reason i'm not overly concerned is if you you know from past experiences like you can get so much in five minutes that, like, I'm not overly concerned with how much time they have left to deliver. Sure, I just know that if you can do it that good for five minutes, you can do it good for 30 minutes, sure. so I want... That it was, well, you say that now, and next time we check in, it's, like, the most insane episode that we've seen. <laughs> well, because we did get a lot of follow-up um, to character development stuff, as I indicated when we are talking about episode three the follow-up where he really clearly lays out the rules about why he can't take the helmet off, what it means to him and all that sort of stuff. And then he takes the helmet off, but we don't see him. No one sees him. And then, you know, and he says he's not quite the zealot you might think. Do you ever take it off? Well, yeah, when I, like when I sleep. Like, I'm not, I'm not a fucking psychopath. Right. Like, yeah, like I take my helmet off and I sleep. And then she goes to take it off later, and then he won't let her. And it's like, oh, eventually we're going to see him. Are we? And it's just a question of what the circumstances I hope we don't. I, well, it could literally be the final scene of the final episode of this season. We're gonna Do you see. think we really are? I, I mean, listen, nothing is certain, but I feel fairly strongly that we will. Like, it, like, again, it's like the whole idea of like the Chekhov's gun. Like, you keep talking about the helmet and you can't take the helmet off. He's going to take the helmet. One of my you know favorite I mean? things with Halo and the storyline is there, you never see his face. You don't know what he looks like underneath. And... Uh, I think it was maybe the third or fourth game. Uh, he's like going back into like a cryo sleep type thing, and they they the thing comes down to take the machine comes down to take his helmet off, and it pulls it off, and then like the camera's then shown from the back, and like and then you don't see what's underneath. And I just think like, that's such a cool thing. I like I don't know, I kind of like the idea of like not revealing it, or if like revealing it has to mean something. If it's just regular guy underneath, uh, what's really the point? Point. Well, the point will be 
what the circumstances for it coming that, off. Okay, is fair it him? enough. Fair enough. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like that's what it is. It's, it's not just gonna be a little Easter egg thing. It's go like we've laid out the rules are pretty serious. About take his helmet off. Were you in Game of Thrones? <laughs> um, yeah, so I imagine that he will. Uh, uh, listen, maybe it's not this season, maybe it's next season, but I feel like it would be the moment. That's how you do it, is in the final episode, probably in the final scene. You know what I mean? And there has to be a reason. It's not just going to be, well, that was a that was a long day. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And he pops the helmet. Like, there's going to be no, someone to I got it. takes his helmet off, or he has to take it off for whatever reason. You know Even I mean? better, he just has an itch. In one episode, and he just can't. <laughs> he takes the helmet off, scratches it, puts the helmet back on. Boom. That'd be funny, but it's like that. Would like be like they even played around with that with Darth Vader, right? Where he takes his helmet off in Empire, and you yeah, see yeah. Him putting it back on. You see out of focus. You see the back of his scalp. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, all, all jacked up from the high ground. Uh, <laughs> cool. That's Mando watch. I have spoken. Man to watch. <laughs>